we're dedicating a shout out to our mates at Calm. That's the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. It's tragic that suicide is the single biggest killer of men under the age of 45. But it's also avoidable. So if you're having a rough time, Calm's helpline and web chat are open 5 till midnight every single day. Find them at thecalmzone.net or you can call them from 5pm until midnight, 365 days of the year on 0800 58 58 58. And welcome to the Nerdish Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today, well, I've got the two usual Herberts, but also... Herberts? Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> wait, 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 who stole, who stole the sofa so the invalid can sit down? <laughs> wait a minute, I've been so twice. <laughs> right, everybody, right, go have a shot. Come on, while you're in. Oh and, and he ruins the surprise. Shut up, you invalid. <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, Michael Buffer, sit down. We don't need you to announce our guest now. It's ruined. <laughs> We're fucked. But we also oh, have in the spoiler alert today, uh, <laughs> Umar Sadiq. Hello, Umar. Oh no, what Martin just did is that like, I didn't have a close fight like before they announced the winner, and then the announcer just like, <laughs> <laughs> or when the ref, ref just squeezes your hand like, oh mate. Yeah, that was last night, wasn't it? Hooker. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah, but is it, basically that's what he just did. I hooker come here. <laughs> so, <laughs> well done, mate. Well done. Yeah, um, but, but yeah. that's why he's an invalid. Not <laughs> cruelty today. Not even I, physical. I, I, not yeah. even physical. <laughs> it was brilliant because you didn't even pick up on what I'd said, and then by the time you had it, already slagged you off. <laughs> <laughs> oh right. Yeah. Fire. So yeah, Sup Martin Theobald, Terry Chapandama, and, and, and more importantly, the top boxer of all time literally Jeez. the top boxer of all time of all time in the building the one and only Umar Sadiq you know dude I've been in Milton Keynes about 10 minutes and I already run this end <laughs> <laughs> it annoys me because I'm normally the coolest person in any room and then Umar wow. turns up and I'm not wow. self-proclaimed <laughs> no I am in most rooms I, I, I identify <laughs> The, ro- the rooms tend to be padded. Oh. <laughs> Do you reckon he thinks that because of his toes? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's, that's a full house. Uh. What are we like two minutes in? <laughs> Woo. Right. Uh. Wait, well, like, we got a lot of positive... Didn't make the Olympics. Feedback. <laughs> <laughs> We're just throwing shots. <laughs> wow. Uh. Wouldn't be walking by 40. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm well aware. Saving up for that wheelchair now. <laughs> um, we got a lot of positive feedback for the uh, <laughs> no agenda pod. It was a mess, wasn't it? So naturally, I'm setting an agenda because that's no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not drinking what I drank last time. Okay. Uh, 
You went heavy. But as we uh, always, I had issues. As we always do, how was everyone's weekend? Mine? All right, all right. Wife and kids away. So uh, I went to set up a... <laughs> I was just telling Terry about this in the car. Bought a new surround sound system for my living room, right? You know the ones with like five speakers around the room and then the 5.1 or whatever it is systems. Yeah. You put a lot of research into it then. Yeah, I ain't got a clue. I just saw this <laughs> decent deal on eBuyer, right? So fuck you, eBuyer, if you're listening. Slags. <laughs> Um, I hope they're not a sponsor, Um I think, I think they were so, going to be. So I paid them for like expedited delivery. So it comes yesterday, Saturday. And I get it out of the box. I'm all excited. When you get a new toy, you're all excited, right? So I get this out. It's got all the, the little speakers. And I'm putting them around the room. And I'm wiring them up. And you have to get like the red and black in there. And you put them back into the control center part. Uh, and that plugs into the big uh, bass system. Do all of this. I must have been there 25 minutes, if not 30, doing all this, just provisionally setting them around the room. And I know how much that must have been painful to you. Because I hate doing stuff like that. Applying that amount of concentration for that amount of time. I hate doing it. That must have been... So I do all of this. Brilliant. I'm happy with it. Let's test it. Go plug it in. The fucking top of the plug's sheared off. Like the top pin of the plug. You can't contact their customer services on a Saturday. They're not open till a Monday. I'm like, there's no Maplins anymore. I can't just go and buy another plug. I'm raging. Raging. So you haven't even been just out at all Not yet? Not at all. Anyway. <sighs> Venting. Have you got any uh, news to dramatically top that? I mean, that's pretty no. emotionally... My flat's a fucking state. I'm trying to tidy it. He saw, he saw the brief <laughs> clip of how bad it is. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Umar, it's, how... it's, it's 80% clothes, though. That's the problem. Like what? What's that? High heels and... Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I would pay bras. to watch you try and wear a, a set of high heels. Yeah, just bras hanging off the door and all sorts. <laughs> Umar, any exciting stories? Um, no, not really. I'm in camp, so you already know what that is. Just a sleepy box. But Mars is actually not too different to Terry's because I've had two floods in the last two weeks. Floods? Yeah. So every time we've had like the, the rainstorms, yeah. we had, so it was basically two in two days. And I haven't quite recovered from that yet. So You um, had floods, like... Actually, the house flooding. No, what, they... through, through the roof of. No, Captain. so long story short, the water system outside Thames water um, trouble, um, all clogged up. Started pushing through th- into people's gardens, and unfortunately, this sill um, in the toilet wasn't too strong. So no. water started gushing in from there. Yeah. Oh, but happy days. You made you sneeze this shit. You're looking at it, you're like, you can't touch it. <laughs> Are you, you're, you're there on a tea tray, like, I can surf to the loo. Mm. <laughs> I can surf. I can but that's the kind of exclusive you get because, you know, these are the kind of things that fighters have to go through sometimes leading up to a fight. You yeah. Get to know. yeah. Yeah. But you um, seem quite chill because you're fighting. We'll talk about it later, but you're fighting soon. You're quite chill. Normally, fighters, fighters are quite angsty normally around there. Yeah. You know, when they're fighters. cutting weight and. Because I'm a fighter, why stress? Yeah. I like it. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> I see lads when they're like building up to fights. And, yeah. You know, they're cutting the weight the out, they're cranking. Which I can understand. Like, one of the worst things is being really tired, aching, needing food, and not being able to eat. Yeah. It does something to you as a person, but it's just, you've got to deal with it anyway. So It's a choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everything's about perspective. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Timing is everything. Yeah, that too. Just, that's Any other cliches yeah. you want to throw in? No, no, time, <laughs> everything is timing is everything. Everything is timing. Mm. But yeah, no, that's cool. Doesn't even make this sense. Morning, I was. Um, <laughs> I love Terry's pearls of wisdom. I was in Epsom this morning, you know, sprinting up hills and doing all sorts of stuff. Oh, yeah. and in Epsom, 
Yeah. Does Brian go out with I you? Just get around. You know, <coughs> since where the horses are, the only competition they can find for me. <laughs> <laughs> does Brian go out with you? No, Brian doesn't. My strength coach does it. Okay. Shout out PT by PT. <laughs> Who is it? PT by PT. So um, it's a fitness network, mainly around Southwest London. Yeah. Run by a guy called Philip Tabajra. Probably the best um, strength conditioning coach I've ever is he? had the privilege of speaking to. Yeah. Guy awesome. knows his shit, man. So yeah. <coughs> all of that. Got home, had a shower, and now I'm here. Wow. Very nice. Okay. Right. Well, and then that's why we're not professional anything. <laughs> He's he takes around. A swig out of his drum of juice. <laughs> Do you think you're going to be losing that bet? I will. I will. I'm pretty sure as well. Yeah. I'm less confident now because I thought Terry's got one of these things that look like they could go on a water cooler if you shoved it upside down. Look, everyone go to TK Maxx, get one of those two and a quarter <laughs> litre bottles, right? Those those water bottles. Get like one. A take a idiot. picture. Don't... Send it to Martin. <laughs> no, because Andy's going to buy one as well. I've got yeah, a bet on because you'll lose the bet. I've yeah. got a bet on with my MD at work. <laughs> if I see five people this summer with these ridiculous looking bottles, I have to buy him like a, a full on keg of beer. And I've agree, rolled up. I five. agree with Martin. That could be but... one a month. You could be walking down this like Will and Lake and see someone holding it. How long's your summer? <laughs> five <What>? month summer. <laughs> Well, well, how long, how long, how long, when does this actual end? Where's the payout point? End of Wimbledon. End of... <laughs> I haven't agreed this officially. But... <laughs> right, so every, everyone go and get those. Like really practical, really handy. You can get your fluid intake sorted. Yeah, and, and bring them to and, a live and, show. And, 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 my, then, yeah. <laughs> and everyone can show you them and that's it. You have to buy them like six kegs of beer. And you look, yeah. you look at it. Is it don't... exponential if you see 10 people just no, buy two no, kegs of beer? No, no, we haven't agreed I this. Think I think you probably, if it, it's probably implied. It sounds implied. Shut up. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to look a tit when you get one as well. Um, okay, well, the most logical place to start is the... Uh, exactly... Uh, let me just find out how you worded it to me, Martin. And I think it was somewhere along the lines of... <laughs> it's going to be offensive, whatever it was. No, it was <clears throat> when I asked you about um, what you wanted it, in terms of the um, agenda for tonight, you put... Fury farce, the whole show. So, okay, give us a rundown from start to finish. I was in London last night on the piss, so <coughs> I didn't see any boxing. <laughs> oh, that was work. Cheers for the oh. phone call. Oh, okay, sorry, yeah. You just dug that hole deeper, man. Why? Embarrass of Out of your real friends. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it- I was just sat at home waiting. <laughs> I had to watch the whole fucking card just waiting for that call. Wasn't didn't the last time I rang you and I was out you didn't come down? No. I, no, that's not true at all. Right? I was like, where are you? And you went quiet. <laughs> Fuck off. It was Christmas. And I rang you and you just disappeared on me. No, I never disappear. I can't disappear. Anyway, right, Fury Fast. Give me a rundown. I did see the I liked the ring walk. Fury's ring It was walk. a very good ring walk, <laughs> wasn't yeah. it? It but was very good. The Afro he... man chucked in there was uh, yeah, that was, was superb. He timed was it well because he hit the ring just as Return of the Mac landed as yeah. well. Because when he, it wasn't he, Return of the practicing. Mac, I was livid. I thought you've That's given what I thought. you've given this whole build up for like weeks, months about Return of the Mac, and then he didn't start. He didn't come out to it, which was brilliant though, because you're all there going, "Oh, he's fucked it, he's fucked it," and then the Afro man thing came. You're like. <laughs> give him more credit and then he hit that return of the Mac at the right it's what I needed at that moment I think I tweeted it can all stop now because I, I'd peaked at that point I was like nah it's not going to get any better than well this. then he just retires and, and to be fair <laughs> at that point he should have stopped 
Right, so I got told uh, by someone that halfway through the fight that he'd been warned for inactivity or something. Are we starting with Tyson or are we hitting the undercard? Well, you can hit the undercard if you want. We feel, it feels like we've already hit Tyson now, so do you want to go undercard? Let's, what was let's row the boat back to the shore. Okay. We'll go again. Right. Nathan so, Gorman, superb. Don't even think of him. I thought he looked better. That You never saw that performance coming out of Nathan Gorman. So I don't know what's happened in his camp or <clears> in his team. Completely different guy. Because that guy went the distance with Philip Hergovic. Yeah. Who I think, well, I, I'll rephrase that. The guy who gave David Hell hell inspiring as an amateur. And a guy a lot of promoters are like, happily swerving unless it's for a belt. And the Sauerlands are putting money behind. Hergovic, absolutely. Six foot six and punches like a demon. Like Tom Little had nothing but praise for Hergovic. Um, so he's gone the distance with him. Gorman just sets about him. And I know the Twitterati out there are happy to say, oh, he's very left-hand happy, but Jesus Christ is that left hand. It, it's the most dexterous left hand I've seen in a heavyweight because he threw every kind of shot just using pretty much one hand. The right hand was there for effect, but yeah, he, was finding, he was finding the hook up the middle, then round the side, then back up the middle, turn that into an uppercut, then coming around the, coming around the side to smack the guy in the face. And you're like, wow. Um, just high-level skills from Nathan Gorman. I still worry that, A, he's too short to succeed. B, he's too heavy to be effective. They're, they're my concerns about, <coughs> about Nathan Gorman, but that was just a hell of a performance. I've never enjoyed a Nathan Gorman fight until last night. Like, I'll be honest about it. I've never rated him particularly, but last night changed it entirely. That That's intensity. looked savage. He hit the ring with intensity. He started yeah. with intensity and he followed it through. I was so impressed. And what I really liked was every time that he turned Sean Turner off the ropes, just little things. Like just pulled that left hand around him and just moved it. And Sean Turner's a unit. What was he, 18-3 Yeah. And like just turned him like a small child to just carry on his combinations at will. And it was that other thing that he did that I really liked. And you could see because Hatton was shouting it from the corner. When the ref would break them up, instead of doing what you do in the amateurs where you just hop back like 10 miles, he literally let the referee push him. So he stayed on the referee's hand, which meant as soon as the ref said box, he was ready to go straight away. You know, And it's those small things that people don't notice. But when you can engage that quickly... No, because Turner's looking for a breather at this point. Yeah. Nathan was like, nope. Especially when his nose went as well. Yeah. He's it's... like, nope, you're working. Every second of every round, you're working. And he did the job. So fuck knows where you take him next, though. Joe Joyce. Nah. 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 I want to see it. Nah. I think that should be built up a bit more. No, uh, I'm not having this. Come on, Uber. Nah, seriously. I, I am for prospects fighting prospects, but Joyce hasn't even had... I just feel like they could earn so much more if they hold it off for a little bit. If it was a case where, I don't know, they, they might make a little bit more later on down the line, they might as well do it now, but they can actually make so much more later on. What if it's line. mandated for the British? Then go for it. Then they should do it at that point. I, yeah, don't, I, don't, think, I don't think Gorman can go for the British, can he? Why not? Oh, come on. And like, there's, there's got to be a cue somewhere. I can't think off the top of my head, but there's got to be a cue for that. Huey Fury's not going to defend it. I'd be surprised if he did. Let me say, let me not comment on that. I'll get, I'll get Russ calling me. <laughs> I'd be surprised if he did. So, at that point, what you got? Dubois, Gorman, Webb, Joyce. Yeah, like you got four lads there. Just let them duke it out. Call cool two eliminators. I don't, because then people start. 
What is the uh, what is the phrase used when you want to let fight when they want a fight brews marinade? That's it. There you think of this marinade, should it? I, I don't have an issue with that in the right circumstances, but with these ones, there's you've got this domestic scene where there are enough lads there to make to it work for. Well, you know, part of the reason why I said that. So I didn't watch the fight. I was at my mom's house watching um, eating pound of jam. Shout out my Nigerians. Good good but, company uh, <laughs> man here. Ian what? What is it? Panda Jam. What is it? If you know, Mate, you if, know. You, if you want to add... Tw- <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. That's my problem. No, no. If you're, if you, if, if, all I can say about Panda Jam is if you want to add 20 kilos to your like your frame, just have a spoonful of it. <laughs> Basically. What is it? I'm, I'm still, intrigued. I'm still full up from um, now from then. <laughs> no, joking. Um, no, it's um, it's made of yam. It's basically mashed potatoes, but made of yam. But right. It's like really heavy stuff. It's and you have really dense. But um, yeah, so I, I did get home to watch the rest of the show. I just missed the Gorman fight. But from what you guys are saying, Gorman has massively improved. Mm. So why don't we see how much improvement he's actually making or allow him to flourish into what he's becoming, which would also help his profile. And then when he does fight someone like Joe Joyce, it's a much bigger fight. So what's the alternative then? Because it, the problem that I see with that, as much as I understand the mindset, mm. how do you let them flourish and build? Without each other, just do the, <clears throat> well. Just do the things until what, like Hungarians. Uh, no, until like you said, the mandatory's coming out because there's more than enough heavyweights out there. Who? Look, look, look Darchi needs some work. Let's not like so. Let, let's get Dorian Darchi <sighs> in this mix. And I know people say, "Oh, he's still, no, Darchi's a decent enough." Okay, what's he benchmark? As him, the DL Jones, who was garbage. Martin Bacoli, get him involved in the mix. Tom Little's fighting the bar soon. Tom Little's a great show. If the bar. The wins, we'll see how Gorman does against him because that's the fight that's been built for the future. Yeah. Triangle theories don't work, but these things still help build the fight. Uh, do you know what? No, no. So what, he, I don't, I don't mind this scenario. What I don't like is the idea of each of them getting four different Hungarians flown over nope. no, for no, the no, next no. 18 months. So I'm not suggesting Hungarians. I'm suggesting they just box other people. Gorman could even fight Ian Lewinson, for, for example. Yeah, someone you know drag I mean? him out. Yeah, so there are enough people out there that you can find that to keep them re- active at a decent enough level until they have to face each other, but maybe he, for a British. But here's my issue, and we're going to touch on this in a second. You've got a lot of issues then, mate. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> How long have you got, Andy? <laughs> mate, mate I, 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 I live in my own house, you know? I, I'm not a kept man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you should try it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, more for you because yeah. I'm looking around thinking. <laughs> Mind you, though, I'm not sure how gracious this is because you guys can't see, but there's a stack of dominoes or dominoes boxes. It's a stool. Uh, no, it's a stool. Oh, is uh, it a stool? Shit. Yeah, it belies oh, its truth. All right, okay. Sit okay. on that. I mean, Martin and Terry have said that it won't support their weight, but I it see. will. It will. It's, it's yeah, I, I won't risk it. It won't. <clears throat> Umar's had to pull out of his fight on the 23rd because he sat in a domino stack. <laughs> Warren would definitely sue. 100%. <laughs> if you guys haven't got those emails yet, check your inbox and, and you do that too. <laughs> do you know, you know, this Mine's inbox- got quite a few for him, to be fair. <laughs> this My inbox was clear this week. This, this is being fed directly to Frank Warren's headquarters in Chessant, wherever it is. I'm streaming off my iPhone. Yeah, he, he's watching. <laughs> and someone checked him for bugs. <laughs> no, 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 I'm but. snitching dry, straight <laughs> off my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> but but here's my point. And, you know, we always go back to that gloves are off where they've got the middleweights in and we all got super excited. Macklin, Murray, Lee, and the, uh, the other one. Barker. Barker. <clears throat> and those guys never fought each other. Why? Because we had to let it marinate. I'd rather fight now 
Winner, loser, great. Move on, do whatever. Shit, I want to avenge that loss here. Further down the line when it means something. Because that's how boxing used to work. You know, if you look at like, the old guy's records, look, Muhammad Ali fought Floyd Patterson twice, right? Once in the 60s, once in the 70s. Fought Jerry Quarry twice. You know, it's not just get the fights done, at, just get them done. I know it's the obvious example, but the Gale Groves. If yeah. they fight, you know, towards the end of their career now, do it one more time, they'll make millions out of it. And part of that is because of the narrative of having it so early in their career. That's true. However, the Gale Groves, to memory, sold out the old too. It did? Gorman um, Joyce is not selling out the old too. No, because they had a good promoter. <laughs> no, that's... Oh, well, yeah, actually, yes. Yes, that's, that was exactly why. Hall of, Hall of Fame promoter? Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Mm. Been in the game 35 years deep and still... I like the fact you thought I was having a pop. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm in defence mode, and I'm fighting. Ah, oh, so yeah. <laughs> so, someone's getting televised. <laughs> no, no, no. So, look, let, let, let all those young guns go at each other. They, you know, they've all been around each other, right? Um, Have they so, fought as amateurs, any of them? Gorman would have been too young because he's only 21 now. I but, don't think so. I think they, they might have been at GB together, maybe. Yeah, but I think Nathan was a junior GB. Yeah. Uh, then you're looking at someone like Webb. Would Webb have fought Joyce? Uh, Joyce won the ABAs in 2012. Webb won it in 2015, or he's in the final in 2015. Knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's possible Dubois wouldn't have fought any of them except maybe Gorman, but I imagine Dubois was small coming up and Gorman's always been kind of that size, so... Yeah, Debar was small because I remember sparring Debar. Was he? Yeah. How small? Well, I'm saying small as in, in comparison to where he is now because yeah. I look at him now and if he walked into Repton and they said to me, spar him, I'll tell him to... <laughs> <laughs> but I remember at the time that, oh, there's this guy that's come down from GB and whatnot. He's a bit heavy, but, you know, basically Repton had a habit of putting me in with heavier guys. Yeah. And I didn't mind it, so he couldn't have been as big as he is now. Was this, when, was this when he was 91? Um, yeah, I think so. Okay. I was he punching so. hard then? Um... I don't remember. Yeah, so maybe no, that's a yes. I just woke up. He must have been because that was around the time where he was ticking off his hit list of all the people that had hurt him when he was younger. So he'd go back and spar them and just ice them. I can't put names on the podcast, but he did. Wow. He started going to gyms and just icing people that gave him a hard time when he was younger. Can I just imagine it as like a WWF setup as well, where like they're already sparring someone else and he just like, <laughs> doors open, he just runs in, slides under the road. But bothers to bring a suitcase and shouts money in the bank before he starts. <laughs> just starts icing people and leaves. <laughs> bang, bang. T takes on a sparring partner as well. <laughs> But I didn't do anything. Bang. <laughs> Affiliated knobhead. <laughs> Not having this. It, it's, it's, it's why. And it's why when I, when I talk about Dubois and people go, why are you so high on him? It's, I think that guy genuinely has a killer instinct. And I'm going to get into trouble. And this is one of the reasons I don't go to Peacock very often. I just don't think he's in the right environment. So I, I don't think those guys are going to take him to Hold on a minute, the level. Terry, I'm not sure if you're aware, but as of March 2018... Um, the cool bot slot. So Brian Sean as he's camp have been training at Peacock Gym. So um, yeah, but it's just a, it's just a facility. It, for you if guys. if we are not the right environment, then um, no. I don't know how high is your bar. Well, come on, you should know that. Uh, Horizon. No, nah, but <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean presumably then that Lawrence Acoli is sparring um, they have on the, a regular basis? Well, they used to, not yeah. so much recently, but they used to. Yeah. 
But um, I, no, I'm joking. We but, don't train together. We train yeah, in the same place. And that, that, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, it's... I'd rather he was elsewhere because I've watched Daniel from when he was a kid. When he was a kid, he was a far more dexterous boxer, so he could do more things. He wasn't just a one-two move. He wasn't just a one-two merchant. He could cut the ring off on you. He was... And that's what made him scary was he could hurt you with, you know, uppercut, hook, uppercut and all that sort of stuff. And that all seems to have gone from his game. So now he's quite conventional, which is why guys like Tom Little can feel confident fighting him because they're like, well, he's not doing anything special. It seems like he's, he's looking to bludgeon people. It looks that way. And he's like, no, no. What you were really good at was knocking people out with uppercuts. Like, no, <clears throat> you, you, boom. And people just be like, call the ambulance. But I think there's a difference between when you're in there with someone who's trying to survive and someone who's coming to win. So if you look at his most recent opponents, he's either starched them out or they felt the power and not wanting to know. So if Tom Little's going to come forward or come to fight with the ambition that he sounds like he's coming with, we might see a different side but of the box. DL Jones came to fight, to be fair to him. like He walked forward and all he did was just shut the distance for all the time that um, Jabbar was trying to you know, build that space for his jab with that you know, weird crouch. Yeah, he just, all he did was like waited and then shut the distance and made it a horribly like ugly fight. Yeah, but was he effective shutting the distance? Yeah. yeah I say was, effective. It was, yeah, it was it, terrible it kept, to watch. It kept the fight going longer than it needed to. Yeah. Um, well, it'll be we'll, interesting. And, and we'll see yeah. what Bacoli does with Dave Jones as well. I think that'll be an interesting benchmark because I'm not Billy Nelson's favourite person right now. I don't even know why. You dared to question Bacoli, that's why. Well, do you know, I didn't even question <clears throat> Bacoli. I just said, is he going to spar two people at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> and then, what did he say to me? He's like, listen, after we've done sparring, we're going to be at your call. Why don't you come down and say oh, that to shit. his face? <laughs> I was just like, I was like, you fat fucking <laughs> 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 what the fuck are you gonna do with your fucking 17 chins you're in oh. no shape to be telling anybody how to oh, be wow. doing anything wow. in the sport of boxing do you know what do you know the irony of this <laughs> I was at your call Wednesday and I didn't see Terry <laughs> <laughs> I saw you though oh wow well, I do stand out actually it's hard to miss a star no oh, shut up <laughs> no no but, but so in, in terms of all, all these heavyweights just let them fight each other now. If there's more money to be made tomorrow, there's more money to be made tomorrow. But I'm not waiting two years and someone breaks their hand and I'm like, shit, well, what could have been? Because we're going to touch on this in a second, aren't we? Flanagan and Crawler. That fight's shit to everyone now, right? Yep. But it was couple, hot for a while. A couple of years ago, that would have sold out the MEN. That was United versus City. Who was the hardest kid in the school? All that stuff was being addressed. Mm -hmm. Now... You know, as much as I love Crawler in the sport, Crawler's probably seen his best days. Flanagan clearly will never see any kind of good day at all, unfortunately for him, which is what happens sometimes <coughs> when you're in the wrong setup. But let's just get these fights done now. I think, look, example, Okoli Chamberlain showed what can happen when you just let the young guys go at it. Yeah. Still the best marketing I've seen for, for a fight Agreed. that's not two top names. That was, you know... On both sides, there were some very clever things happening. Yeah. Amongst your collective nicknames for people, you have Twitterati, Cornflake Crunchers, the Grey Seven Chin Nelson, <laughs> the Grey Tracksuit Brigade, and Casuals. Can you rank them in order of um, of your Ca casuals malevolence really, no, no, towards no, them? No, Casuals not really my my thing. 
No, I realise that, but you still refer to them. You still say... Uh, no, only to fine. label, I think. I don't, I don't think Terry ever uses that, No, really. no, casual's not really mine. No, the cornflake crunches definitely is. Yeah, because no one understands what you mean. <laughs> Mate, like I've told you before, eat cornflakes or just watch someone eating cornflakes with no milk and no sugar. <laughs> I'd have to look so hard to find someone... <laughs> I'm looking through people's mate, windows mate, at eight in the morning. Get the fuck out of my kitchen. <laughs> I just want to see you eat breakfast. I told you I have toast. Yeah, but I saw cornflakes in your cupboard. They're not mine. Hey, give me my milk, milk back. Nah. <laughs> or they, they go to make it. No, 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 no. Don't put the milk. <laughs> Stop. I want to see what happens. Oh, nothing. Can you talk about some boxing while you're doing that? <laughs> so, so who's Twitter RT Cornflake Crunches and Grey Tracksuit Brigade? What's your what's what, how does it how does the rank structure go? <laughs> the cornflake crunches. At what point uh, do you drop from the Twitterati in the cornflake crunch territory? Can someone be in both? Can it be yeah. like a Venn diagram? <laughs> I think that the point that there's some people who kind of sit in that space. I might have mentioned one a few seconds ago. Ooh. Oh, quick rewind. Who did he mention? I don't. I can't remember the guy's name because I don't really know. But he mentioned someone and then called them fat after. I'm oh, Billy Nelson. <laughs> Look at that face. Look at that smile. You know I, I should stop doing this. My life's going to get very awkward. <laughs> Even more than it is now. Yeah. <laughs> right, so walk me through what other fights you want to talk about before the Fury fight. I, I turned off the undercard after that. Uh, turned it back on a bit for... I, I got Flanagan. in the time for Flanagan. No, uh, Mark Heffron. Yeah, I, I watched the <clears throat> Heffron fight. Um, I like Mark Heffron. I've heard good things about him because I know he does a lot of work with Daryl Williams. So Daryl says... Actually, nah, don't get nervous. <laughs> no, no. So, so he was saying, he was saying Heffron's one of the hardest guys in terms of like that, that one punch power. He's like, he hits a lot harder than most people in the weight class above. But I, so I expected to see real fireworks on this one. And they were trying to tell me that that guy from Birmingham was tough. The guy couldn't punch. He like, can't punch, but oh, he's, yeah, he's iron. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah, am I thinking? Yeah. I did watch that. Yeah. So, so I, I was watching Heffron and I was like, there was just too much of a gap between his punches, if that makes sense. I think once you know you're bigger and you're stronger and you punch harder than the other guy, I was expecting the rapid fire combinations, just get him out of there as early as possible. But I didn't see that, which isn't a shot against Mark Heffron because a lot of people speak highly of him. Um, you know, is he more talented than his brother Ronnie? Ronnie won the ABAs as well, if I remember. But that was a Spencerism for you there. But I'm just quickly flicking back through um, Andrew Robinson's career. So, yeah, my memory <laughs> of BoxRec that I'm looking at right now. Um, he's never been stopped before. So his only losses come against Buglioni, Sheedy, Lee Markham. Hasn't been stopped by any of them. But when you're, when you're losing to, to Sheedy, that puts you at a certain level. And that's no disrespect to Sam Sheedy. Nice guy, actually, but well, that puts you is. at a certain level because Sam Sheedy can't punch through a paper bag. <laughs> you just said no disrespect to him. No, no, say that. But but he'll he'll admit that. Like, oh yeah, I'm sure he would. <laughs> I can't punch through a paper <laughs> bag. Hey, Sam, here's a paper bag. You slag, hit this. What about if it's wet, Sam? Probably not. I mean, so, so go Terry back, will tell you. Go back to Sheedy versus Cameron, which I know you know we watched. It's. You saw then the guy he doesn't put a dent in people. So I think I think this this Robinson or Thompson guy was tough, but he was there to be got rid of. And it seemed that the refs were quite happy to stop at the first sign of trouble. Anyway. You disagreed oh, no, with I that stoppage. That stoppage. I thought it was a fine stoppage. It was a very good stoppage. 
his legs were, he was wobbling. He, that. he was just taking heavy shots at yeah, as well. I'll tell you what I had an issue he, with. He, had, he was in there with no chance at that point of winning the fight. So, and so he I, had the, rounds to go as well. Yeah. No, 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 no. Wasn't so so, so, so they're, all, they're all relevant issues. But a referee's got to make a decision that says you're in danger at this point. And you can't, was. you can't make that, that decision when he's bobbed under three no, punches. Terry, it's very simple. It's this year. His left eye was fucked. Yeah. Like you just said yourself, he had no punching power. He's been down already, getting beat up, taking heavy shots consistently. There was no way for him to turn that fight around. He wasn't going to suddenly throw a haymaker and then, you know, turn the... Um, no, no, no. But, but, but once around. again... It's, it's, so it's, what's the point in leaving him in there to take no, more No, no, but, but it's the thing, isn't it? It's, I think they say it in football. Don't blow the whistle until the action's dead, if that makes sense. No. It, was, nah. it, was, it, was, it was the wrong point in the fight to stop it. It was that becoming makes uncomfortable to watch. I agree. I wasn't happy with it. I think the corner should have thrown the towel in. Yeah. That's a separate issue. I agree with that. But when you've got someone and you can see their survival instincts kicked in where he's like, okay, I can get under that. I can get under that. And Heffron was being Do you wild. you know what he was doing when he was rolling his head? He wasn't even looking. I saw it. Because at first I was like, oh, that's quite impressive. Then when you look, it was just, like you said, survival instincts. instincts. Yeah, he just put, tucked his hands up and just started bobbing his head in hope that he wasn't going to get hit. And a couple of times he actually bobbed his head into an uppercut. They were so he was, he was, it's not because he was aware. He was no. just bobbing just in hope that he was going to... No, you know, but not when the ref stopped yeah. no, no. So the issue I had is, he was taking shots before, ref should have jumped in then, right? And then it got to a point where Heffron had lost that momentum. And now it's like, okay, this guy can actually get himself back. He's moving his legs again. And then he stopped it. I was like, that wasn't the right point to stop it. Should have stopped it before. Do your job properly. Because we don't know what would have happened after that point. I'm not saying he would have won. But could he have got himself up? Could he have stood up and had a more dignified stop? I don't know. Because if you saw afterwards when Heffron was talking to him, he just looked like that should never have been I've stopped. Been, oh, come on, right? I You're think sp- that's as dignified a stop as you can give him. Because at least then he goes out on his feet, maybe with a bit of an argument to give to his mates about why he got stopped. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to getting starched. But what's a more dignified <laughs> a stoppage? Television. On your feet, as you say, with the be, argument, you know or being fucking ambulanced out as, of place. As, as Martin Theobald said, you know, that's not a guy that gets stopped easily. It's not. Yeah, but it was dangerous for his health. He was getting banged. That's one of those stoppages. No one could, it was just bad refereeing. It was Foster. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't, was it? Who was it? Foster did ah, the... Let's um, not get into the names. I don't want to start mentioning no, no, no. refs. You, know? yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Don't, you don't want to get any rep with refs. <laughs> I support... Now, Umar's like, I support all of the refs equally. All of the refs. Every single official. British boxing board official. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I love all, them all. All, 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 all license all holders. License holders. <laughs> every single one. That might be me soon. <laughs> Go for it. Bieber too. Anyone in Bieber so, okay, too? There'll be one he doesn't well, like. Well, that means Martin's applying for one. Martin, did I ever tell you how nice that t-shirt was? It says Brad Paul's, but still... <laughs> you what? In case you get a license. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah, Brad. <laughs> nice t-shirt, this, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, 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 apparently. You got a spare one. So, <laughs> no, but, but apparently, if Chris Medley can get a license, anyone can get a license, as the wise man once said. The question, the question, I, I, I don't know. I, everyone else is in as much in the dark. Now, racking my brain. Half the listeners will be like, "Fuck, he said it," and they'll start laughing. Then, well, that Chris Medley, if Chris Medley can get a license, anyone yeah. can. Did, is Who that what said Martin that? said? No, you said it, taking the piss out of something else. But I'm trying to think what it was. Oh, I can't. I've genuinely got no idea. Okay, uh, it's in there somewhere. It's rattling about. It'll come back. Yeah. yeah. Then, 
let us move on to whatever you want to talk about next other than there Fury. There was something else, but I missed Danica it. Hooker? JJ Metcalf, but I didn't really see oh. that. Was it, did, who, did he fight the Spanish guy? Yeah. Stopped him in the 10th or 12th, whatever it was. Boring. <clears throat> Boring. I started playing football manager during that. That's oh, how bad it was. I, I'm jealous. Recent one? or an old Yeah, one? recent one. Oh, okay. I thought I've, I've played through, like, I'm a Spurs fan, so I've been picking Sympathies. through the teams. Um, but I've realised I'm not good enough to make them good. Like, I get sacked all the time. So, <laughs> <coughs> so I thought I'll start with one of the... Like, I'm Brighton now. Not just because of my affiliation with homosexual people, which is huge. <laughs> You're a pin-up. I am. I am. <laughs> in the camp fraternity. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, it's... Uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I'm going on to this. Yeah, anyway. So um, If anyone's got a decent right-back on Football Manager 18, let me know because I need one. Not over about five million. Oh, tricky. I know, I know. Mate, you, mate, you might have to get FM Scout for that. I'm not going to lie. Well, I can't be asked for that. Oh, sometimes you have to. Wow, <laughs> this is just whoosh over the top of my head. you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, but but well, look, that, that's, that's how kind of flat this card was. And that was my frustration. Like, deep down, Frank Warren knew he was going to put a pudding in there with Tyson Fury, right? At least give us something to get excited about. Flanagan, no one's ever got excited about Flanagan, so that wasn't any sense. I quite like Maurice Hooker, I'm not going to lie. So I was happy that he got he got his shot, and I'm glad that they didn't try and rob him this time. Although Fran- they, 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 Hooker was supposed to be on the original um, Billy Joe Martin Murray yes. card until that got moved. So then I guess that would have been put in Manchester for obvious reasons to support yeah. the Tyson Fury return. So just a quick one. The fight that kicked off, was that Billy Joe and Martin Murray? Did they actually... <laughs> 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 Did they actually just show up and go, yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, Billy Joe Turner was like, yeah, I'm in Manchester now. What are you saying? Show man? me your hamstring. <laughs> <laughs> show me that hamstring. <laughs> Charlie lift his leg. But, so um, this, this was the, did it go the, to points? Which one? <laughs> the fight outside the ring. Nah, 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 nah. This is Billy Joe. Like, Boom. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Flanagan Hooker. It. So, ah. I I had a feeling for Hooker because <laughs> just pause it. I had a feeling for a Hooker. <laughs> yeah. It happens. It's not the idea, Terry. You pay and go. Sometimes no. you just can't remove the emotion, Terry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes, sometimes you Some... just wanna, yeah, you just want to just want to just take in the the experience. Don't you? <laughs> Get your money's worth. You know, just, just drain every last drop. What? Oh, <laughs> no, but so Are you murdering or fucking him? I'm not sure. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes one leads into the other. You know what? I thought it was a generational thing that I didn't understand. <laughs> no, but look. So with with Hooker, and I think it's a thing that the Americans can do, where they seem to have this boxing common sense, where they can just solve problems. Like Flanagan started off bouncing up and down, in and out of range. You know. Just, it, it, he looked like he was just about to do the quarterfinals of the ABAs where he was doing that. And I was like, okay, fine. Okay, you, you're causing, causing Hooker the Southpaw problem. Great, fantastic. And then Hooker sort of realized that he had longer arms than Flanagan did and just started sliding back and working off the jab. First, he tried to throw the hook, but his arms are too long. And once he figured out that he could throw the uppercut, the right uppercut at will, that turned the fight in his favor. You know, Flanagan was there, just wild with the head, reckless with the head. And it seemed to be that the fact that Hooker stood up to him threw Flanagan a lot in that fight. 
So as the fight wore on and he was expecting his fitness, his strength, whatever to take him through, you saw Hooker just just picking away at him. There was nothing heavy in his shots, but he'd just pick away at him. He'd have the eye-catching shots. He'd have these fantastic moments and you'd watch him and he'd throw in combinations and it all looked very good. And you look at his arms and in my head, I was thinking, imagine if Ahara Davis could box like that. Just um, I don't know. So <clears throat> I bumped in there because as much as he was using a range well, Hooker was, um, whenever Flanagan came too close, it was almost like Hooker was boxing at range and so Flanagan comes in and he forgets to shorten the range of his punches. So his punch was just going around the back of Hook, um, Flanagan. And what he kept doing as well was he kept... Until he threw the uppercut. So if you notice, everything was wild, but he'd be on the inside tucked up and he just popped the uppercut. And it's like Flanagan never twigged just to say, shit, his arms are too long to hook me. Let me just put my hand under my chin. Yeah. You know, those little things that Americans just seem to intuitively have. I know we're going to come on to Crawford as well. Flanagan would either throw just the one shot and try and get in or throw a two shot and try and get in. Mm. Every single time he stepped his right foot so far past where I was anticipating it would end up. Mm. And like, I realised he had to get into range. But it was just, honestly, that right foot was just going so I, I far and wide. Well, to be fair, because a few times Hooker stumbled as a result of Flanagan's foot being outside, right foot yeah. being outside his left. Um, but he just didn't capitalise on it as much. And I did feel like, because the ref was lenient, Flanagan was intentionally, this is adding to what Terry was saying, Flanagan was intentionally coming in and using his head and trying to rough up Hooker. <laughs> and then karma yeah. struck. But yeah, but then what Hooker did, <laughs> before that as well, what Hooker did was he just never complained. Because if you're roughhousing a guy intentionally and they start complaining, you would know, okay, I'm getting to him. But Hooker almost just sort of, you he know, held, didn't, yeah, he? Kept to, didn't look at the ref, didn't complain, just carried on. And that must have fucked with Flanagan's head. And then, like you said, karma struck eventually. Do you yeah. remember that That's point a nasty cut as well, Does wouldn't it? remember okay. that? There's a point in that fight where Flanagan goes, I think he went to swing his left hand and Hooker's just spun around him and Flanagan yes. ends up, like the most embarrassing thing you can think of. Like, <laughs> Hooker's behind Flanagan and Flanagan's just there with his arm flailing. And I thought that typified the second half of that fight where Hooker just proved that he had more tricks in his arsenal. And in that second half of the fight, he went from just throwing the uppercut and scoring. It was that straight right that he'd throw as well. And he just seemed to find a home for it because, and this is my bugbear about British fighters and especially fighters from the North. I'm going to get a K British boxing blog, start typing now. Is that the Tisperati? No, 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 no. They're, they're, they're all guys. right. No, no, no. <laughs> they, were, they, were early on, they were early on the Ritson thing. They were early on that. So credit to them because right. I, I wasn't up, to, up on that. But no, Northern fighters don't generally tend to move their heads. So they're just, it's, it's just there for you all the time. They don't move their heads. And when you don't move your head, what happens to Flanagan is always likely to happen. I want to ask a question as well. Like he's moved up from lightweight to super lightweight. Why? Because he hasn't developed the power. Because he was landing flush shots on him. Because he's not trying to cheat the system. I get that. But was he really, was he really struggling? I don't know. I'm just saying. I mean, last week you guys were talking about people cheating the system. So yeah, in terms of weight, yeah, no, I, I so you get can't that. complain I get that, that someone's moved up a weight. Um, I can because has he actually gone there to try and chase something? I don't know because I've never heard of him particularly struggling at the weight. And then we were sold this narrative by Buncey et al. Oh God, talking about you know he's been struggling at that weight and now he's moved up. He's going to have more power. Well, he hasn't, has he? And well, well, do you know what? Look, and here's my issue with boxing journalists. They, they talk in... 
this fucking axioms, isn't it? Really? Yeah. If you move, if you go up a weight class, you'll suddenly be bigger and stronger. You know how, like on fight night, if you kind of choose a super middleweight over a middleweight, then immediately have more power. Yeah. It's not necessarily the case. Or, or what's the other one? Like they, they like to use. If you can actually put your hands up, or if you can actually, you know, just move your head out the center line. Ah, oh, he's awkward. Yeah. <laughs> what? No, no, no. He's just boxing. No, no, no. He's really awkward. What a bastard. Uh, yeah, really awkward. No, but... But you know what Jimmy Mack said to me one beautiful, time? Beautiful. Beautiful, Umar. Beautiful. <laughs> Every single You're time. You're a 15-round fighter, Jimmy. That's right. You, you saw, you've heard about my fitness. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> No, but he said to me, he goes, um, a lot of people call you awkward, but every time they do take that as a compliment, yeah. because awkward just means you're good and they can't work you out. None of his fighters are awkward. James DeGale is at the very well, least. Well, Badu Jack did not think so. And Caleb Truex was like, you're pretty conventional in that first fight. <laughs> you're really playing the punch bag role well here, James. Thank you. Shouldn't say that. Sorry. Yeah. Go on, uh, but, a bit of a mission but, today, aren't you, Terry? Hmm? On a bit of a mission today. No, I'm, I'm just, look, <laughs> look, no, no, today I'm just being honest, right? Like, I'll give Flanagan credit. I think Flanagan's a 135 guy. I think that should be his lane. And I think he can do better things there than he can at 140. Because imagine that like, that was a pro-grade, Regis pro-grade. Imagine him in there with Flanagan. It'd be a bloodbath. Josh Taylor. But also, yeah. well, as you guys are talking about, after the fight, I thought, yeah, Hooker, well done. But then I was like, you're not going to keep that towel for a long time. No, agree. Oh, I imagine Hearn's calling up going, I've got this thing in America. You, know? <laughs> you ever heard of a billion dollars? <laughs> yeah. I don't have it, but no. I could. <laughs> Do you know where I can get it? <laughs> right. Are we ready to move on yet to Fury? Yeah. Yeah, go on, Em. Right. Fury. No. I love the ring walk. <laughs> oh, no. Was it no? Did you want to go to someone else? Yeah. There was one more undercard fight. It right. happened about round two. Uh, the guy in the beige shirt and oh. the guy in the... <laughs> Actually, it's funny. I've got a, oh, I've right. got a question about that. Uh, oh. North Bank Bren asks, question for the bud, should there be weigh-ins crowd, uh, for the crowds of Frank Warren shows? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> they, sh- they should, because my highlight of the crowd fight was, it was brilliant. My highlight of the crowd no, fight no. was... <laughs> I'm, I'm a guy that I watch these. Like, I zoom in and I really... I, I love them. There was a guy... It's on a YouTube clip. So he's scrapping, right? But he can't reach the people he's really trying to hit. So well, they awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just so couldn't work him out. Is, he has a brainwave of, if I just walk around there and get stuck in. So on his way out, he basically gets chinned. <laughs> One guy chins him here. Clearly the mate of the guy he's been hitting. So he comes out, he gets chinned. He staggers. And this other guy comes running out of nowhere left hooks him as well and that was the end of that guy and I was like mate you should have stayed where you were because there was no one around him he was <laughs> I want to like we're laughing about this A they're massive dickheads right well, I think we can all accept that fundamentally without question B I want to ask Umar like as somebody who's involved in the sport and that's your channel that you will necessarily box on mm-hmm. or box nation but you know there's a, an intrinsic link somewhere yeah. you want to um, apparently yeah <laughs> allegedly allegedly uh, how hard does that make it harder in life to go out and attract sponsors attract backers when there's that kind of problem being publicised because that was on the front of like the Daily Mirror's website mm. in the sports section like it's such a bad image for, for the sport 
that for someone like you, who's a very respectable person, good at what they do, building a profile, etc., mm-hmm. does it make it harder when those are the headlines? And we'll come on to Fury, but like I think the word farce was used by the national press. Yeah. Does that make it harder to try and get back in? Um, in terms of getting back in and whatnot, obviously my agents, SSM Worldwide, they deal with all that stuff. So. Shout out to SSM Worldwide. Shout out SSM. We'll touch Shout on them later. Andrew. Shout out Scott. Never met um, Scott though. Oh, you all sound Is he coming to the live show? Scott's the guy who... Um, that wasn't the question. Is he coming <laughs> to the live show? No, he's not. Then you need to have a word with him. Then he's not who he says he is. When, when Scott arrives, what? you know, you, you guys would have... No one else could be in the building. That's fine, as long as he buys all the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, right, so, yeah, they deal with that side of things, you know, with um, potential sponsors and all the rest of it. But from um, self-promotion aspects and selling tickets and whatnot, I think it looks bad because the fights are happening ringside, essentially. Yeah. So to start <clears throat> with, how are numpties getting ringside? Um, I, I've been to a tickets. Warren show where that's happened. Yeah. Now hold on, hold on. I'll finish. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you. I know you're gonna go with that. So obviously there's a security issue somewhere. But all in all, is because it's happening ringside. But ultimately, when you look at sport in general, you get that a lot in football. You get that in other boxing events as well, not just Frank Warren yeah, boxing yeah. events. And you're starting to get in um, typical um, in shows that are you know traditional. English events like the Royal Ascots and stuff like that. You're getting crowd yes, trouble there too. So Henley. Yeah, so you can bring a lot of it down to, you know, hot day, people have been drinking all day, they get there, get a bit rowdy, um, fancy the chances of boxing maybe. I don't know, but um, if people look at the bigger picture, it's not actually a Frank Warren thing. It can happen anywhere you go, including Royal Ascot. So um, I don't think, but I think it's more about the way it's portrayed well, in the media. Well, no, no, no. I think the problem with Frank's situation is he sets himself up as the voice of that kind of beer, football, birds brigade, doesn't he? That That's really Frank's In what way? constituency. Like, when you when you look at how these shows are promoted and where Frank targets, like, Hearn, Hearn's Lane is that kind of, you might just want a night out. I want boxing to be on your list of options, right? And that takes you to a different demographic and you sell differently. And that's why Sky Sports are really good because they target that. Don't, underest- don't underestimate how much money is spent on programmatic advertising to, ad- to target people of a certain demographic that have certain behaviours, be it online, be it on social media. And they'll bypass the kind of football hooligan side and go, the boxers can just sell tickets to those guys. We're not interested in them. And the matchroom events are set up to make sure that it's a good experience for everyone involved. Frank's very old school and old school boxing involves, you know, your football clubs are your constituency, especially boxing is quite an East End cambered sport in London. So football is a big part of it. That's always been his model. That's always been the crowd that shows up. Remember when we went to Javante Davis, Liam Walsh? Mm-hmm. the football fans were clearly segregated you could see where the Spurs fans were you could see where the West Ham fans were the Norwich City fans were there as well you could see it and you could just see that it was it was bubbling and you have the feeling that Matchroom would have made never kicked off that day did yeah it did woo Javante Davis woo did it of course it did because it started off like because I was there and I was with Dave McGinley you talk about security. I, don't, I don't remember seeing a fight that day. The one did, I did remember, you see the... Ron Richards just sprinting down? Like, it was, oh. did, did it... someone offer him a fight, and so he had to take it because <laughs> he can't get one elsewhere? <laughs> no, because literally they they started off going, "You fat bastard," and then someone started going, "You black bastard," and then oh, Adney Adney Yard's people 
were near oh, these guys. Oh yes, yes, I remember now. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And they now. Came, yeah, yeah, so now they I steamed in. Yeah. And, and but but that's I've I've been because I go to a lot of boxing as you guys know yeah. and it happens at Eddie Hearn shows or matchroom shows as well. But so they deal with it better though. Like it uh, gets the security on. get there a lot quicker. Yeah, they stamp it but down. It's also it was also a matchroom event when a guy was rolling downstairs and shit. Which one was that? <laughs> was that you? <laughs> possibly, possibly. But it's so, also us. Nah, and I'm not trying to say it to like cast shade on anything because Matchroom do a great job in their shows too. But I'm just trying to say it happens everywhere. It just happens to be that when it happens in the, um, for some reason in the Frank Warren shows, it happens to happen in and around ringside. So it's in shot of the camera. Yeah. Rose Cox, it happened. And, and I don't think, um, I don't think Tyson Fury helped by, you know, looking at <laughs> Drawing attention. attention to it. Um, but <laughs> he's just laughing. Yeah. Like. <laughs> but in the t- in the time, I don't think he, he was realizing the bigger picture. I think he was just really happy to be back in the ring. And obviously, we're going to get onto that. Yeah. Tyson Fury yeah, doesn't <clears throat> tend to look at the bigger picture. There's no there's no evidence in his career that he ever looks at the bigger I, I picture. The problem, so he's hey, sa- hey, hey, he's signed of Warren. That's a bigger picture move. Oh, okay. All right. From that, <laughs> aside from that one time, <laughs> maybe he's improving. Look, maybe I think the problem right. is maybe percentage wise, it seems to happen in a more high profile way at Warren shows than it does elsewhere. Yeah, and like that's something that could be addressed, obviously. Well, yeah, but the security, not... like touch on security, because SIA do the matchroom one, mm-hmm. um, and I spoke with Andy Brown, the head of SIA, the, yeah. the bald headed geezer, looks like a transformer as wide as he is tall, kind of yeah. thing. <clears throat> and uh, I've spoken to him before about why why when you're doing events does it not kick off in the same way he said it's not about the personnel like the personnel you know whoever it is that does the Warren ones they're reasonable they're good at their job no they're good men yeah yeah that's it yeah. yeah and he said it's not about them those people you know we they are decent security personnel yeah. but he said often it's to do with the way that um they have the setup so mm. the um sia in this scenario will do a certain part of the building and then the venue are contracted to do so, the other yeah. parts of the building and so like people that want to fight will pick out the parts where where it's, a bit weak, where it's not sia or it's not man or whoever and then target that see yeah. because the, the the manchester stuff yesterday happened in exactly the same place that happened at groves cox because i got caught up in that actually Mikel Lawal got caught up in See, that it well. also happens in Solan shows yeah and so, they're European they're meant to get everything right <laughs> Brexit <laughs> no no but, but I guess my, I guess my point is you mean uh, geographically in the arena it happened yeah. in the same place it, given yeah. they were in two different arenas was it? yeah is it, was one it was at Wembley Arena no 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 oh, no. Right. Groves Court uh, Groves Eubank sorry oh okay right That's... my mistake okay. yeah so Groves Eubank up in Manchester it was all in the same pretty much the same locale and I remember just thinking when, when when I saw that crowd that Sorry, night. Sorry, I'm still paying attention. I'm just posting a video. Oh fucking up! <laughs> so, <laughs> to Frank, <laughs> Frank, they're talking about you. <laughs> Is your get, phone on airplane mode, Umar? Get Andy down here, Frank. I've got the email addresses. <laughs> I've got I've got the address. Never mind the email address. Beep beep ping ping. Oh, if fuck. Umar's phone's not on airplane mode, by the way, Frank, the right guy's now, been you're making be here in thirty minutes. <laughs> Yo, yeah, I can imagine, I can imagine that. that there's a drone. Sending loc- no, live location. <laughs> Yo, SEAL team burst in through the ceiling. And, and he knows you know, there's a drone with, with four Hellfire missiles. <laughs> just waiting. You know those like when people are, are washing windows that are like high enough that you can get them on a telescopic pole. And then every now and then when you're in the office, you'll see them just pop up over the window. <laughs> I'm expecting to see that in a second. Or like, 
a little glint of light reflecting off a sniper rifle in your fucking <laughs> neighbor's house over there. Right, so like just taking aside the crowd trouble for yep. um, and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the fight that happened. And now you might as well just call it a fight. And no, you've alluded to the fact that it was called no, no, a fury, a I fury fast. I liked it. But <laughs> I would, you no, know what? I was just I about to, it. I was going to text you last night and say, everyone has been slagging us this, Which this fight. Which means Terry will so swim the t- other way I'm up the street. I'm expecting Terry to tell me it's the fight of the decade or no, something. No, I, 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 <laughs> it was I, better than Lenares Lomachenko. No. <laughs> I liked it. Wait, what are we going to on? 25 of June, he's going to be fine at the 02. Make sure you check him out. Because big things are happening that night and bigger things in the future. Who's uh, that? Is that Joshua? You heard it here. I need Joshua shouting out Uma Sadiq on the Frank Warren show, June 23rd, O2. Get your tickets from WWE. Joshua doing that? No, no, no. He's just um, helping me promote. That's all. Okay, no, good. Is Joshua doing that? Is that on Twitter? Um, No, it's a private video. No, he's not posting on his socials. I'm about to post it on my socials. Can you you send me his number? Are you guys alive whilst I'm doing this? Yo. Can you get him to unblock me on Twitter? Top Boxer Sadiq on Instagram. Check it out. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, why would he do that? All that happened, right? He put up a, a competition of like retweet this or whatever and tag a mate and uh, it was a set of like a Beats headphone, personalised Joshua t-shirt, all the standard stuff and I just replied to it and said, if I win this, I'm going to sell it on StubHub. I got blocked. Why would you not get blocked for that? Yeah, thank you, <laughs> man. Can you get him to unblock me so I can try and get him to block me so, again? So, <laughs> I want the hat trick by the end of this year. Uh, I, I'm going to speculate that he doesn't touch his Twitter. Agree. Snapchat, Insta, I think he does. I think Twitter, he just says to Soap or whoever it is, you lot do that. So actually, Joshua might have read that and gone, <laughs> this is dick. Yeah, yeah. But you, look, so you either got blocked or you got called a dick. <laughs> <laughs> or you got both done to you. But uh, let's not get sidetracked. I'll tell you why I wasn't salty about fight. the Fury fight. Right. Right. The guy's been out for, was it? They said 900 and something days. 64? Right? No, yeah. Nearly a thousand days he'd been out of the ring. And it's not like he'd been out of the ring and he had been doing marathons and triathlons and looking <laughs> after him. No, they're called Snickers now. <laughs> <laughs> even triathlons too um, so, so he, he was he was out for 964 days and he was taking the because piss because he got uh... no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, because he was taking the he, he was taking the piss and other and, things apparently and, and we know about the Nandalone situation which still leaves a bad taste in my mouth that bloody pig but but he was never going to win so I, I've, I've had this already this morning where people are trying to convince me oh it's a fuss and I just said Someone like a Trevor Bryan's ranked number five in the WBC, right? If he had fought Trevor Bryan, who he would have smashed to bits in about four rounds, we'd have said, look at him. The guy just fought, I mean, Trevor Bryan fought a guy that had a three and tw- 24 record. He's an embarrassment. Anyone outside of that top 10 was always going to invite criticism for Tyson Fury. He was in a no-win situation <laughs> unless he had fought someone that the public were like, oh, I really rate him. Did, did, so, no. No, did so, he have to fight someone who there was so many holes in, like cruise away? Well, it did, no, no, well, if you know you're going to get shit on Twitter or just shit in general, it doesn't matter what you get. Like You're going to get it anyway, right? So he could have picked... <sighs> or anyone, which he did. Well, yeah. I don't know what that guy's ranked because he's not even ranked as a heavyweight. That's but, what but, I mean. But, like, no, no, but, it, okay, and let's just look at the top 50, right? <laughs> top 50. At the bottom of the top 50 is someone like a Trevor Bryan. How he's ranked number five in the WBC? Beyond me. Maybe he's got a court case too. Um, you got guys like David Price. You don't want to, I don't want to see Fury fight David Price. 
Rudenko. Do I want to see him fight Rudenko? Who, no one knows who the fuck Rudenko is. So as you're going up this list, <laughs> you can pick people and they're either too young in their careers to fight or we don't know who they are. Until you get to the top 15, then we know who those guys are. So it would have just been a who the fuck is he fighting? Sorry, no, I disagree completely. Because, okay, pick Rudenko, for instance. Mm-hmm. Rudenko, you can say at least he's been in with Lucas Brown. At least he's been in with Huey Fury. Like this guy, the other night. What I didn't like about it is that we were all clearly like it was almost like it was a joke. It was almost like they were taking the piss through everything, through absolutely everything, through the weigh-in, through the kiss pre-fight, through Wilson Raider turning up. The, the well, fuck me, I forgot about. That. <laughs> Speak with Frank, please, Umar. Well, like you want when- some, you want some. I'm gonna. You want some? You can have some if you want some. Do you know what? When I saw that video clip, I honestly went. I recognise him. Man. I think he probably yeah. just turned uh, up. To be fair, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And then oh, I, like, yeah, no, yeah, no, I think no. he just probably just turned up, and they just were like, "Whoa, this is brilliant. Let's go with it." Well, I, no, no, I you, am not <laughs> buying that for a millisecond. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, Ailing just put his hand up, and I've got a great idea. <laughs> I'm not going to pay Terry's two hundred quid, but. I am going to get the Wheelstone Raider. And we'll with get 195 change. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, for me, look, I had such low expectations of that fight. And I think I've said it here before. I was like, they could put him in against fucking, do you know what I mean? Anyone, but, but, Larry the fucking lion or whatever. Know, you know when they did the weigh-in and they lifted each other up yeah. and like carried each other? Look, the whole I thing was a that. disgraceful farce. No, I enjoyed that because I was like, this isn't going to be a serious fight. So... I want to see Tyson being... But why didn't we have a serious fight? That's no, the question. No, no, no. So here's my... Uh, I've been reflecting on this. Why, why, why did we accept a pantomime? What I would have really been happy with in this whole Fury thing is if they'd done it properly and they'd gone right, you know, in, in wrestling, they call them dark matches. So you... Let me, like, Fury just shows yeah, up. And I know, I know it's hard to do, but Fury shows up at an arena. Fury Fury did it once. Yeah, exhibition. Just show up, let Fury jump in there. Have a few, just yeah, shake the rust off in these. Do it in a Barcelona leisure center. Yeah, but you know what? All the best. What you guys are missing is the first two to three rounds were literally. Well, first two rounds were literally him shaking rust off because you can see as much as he was clowning around. For when he wait, give me a moment. For when he did try to jab or do whatever he was doing, you can see that the timing was off and the judge distance and range was off, Mm -hmm. even though he was clowning around. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you can see he sort of started to get into the groove a bit. And at that point, it starts to become more business-like. Um, another thing, I don't know, and this is just me thinking, chances are, he's probably thought, this guy's running around, well, I'll just keep him running around, he'll get tired in a little bit, and then I can sit on him, so, w- right. w- you know. So let me turn it around, right? My mum, because I went and saw my mum earlier, she talked to me about it, and she, I had a text from a mate earlier saying, can you explain to me what that heavyweight fight was last night? No, I can't. My mum's saying... It was saying, the return of the Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Slash Afro, man. Um, so, you've got eyes on the sport last night that wouldn't watch boxing unless it's probably a Joshua fight. So, the return of Fury was what drew them in. So, my mum watched it. My mates up north watched it. Um, they wouldn't normally watch it and they certainly wouldn't text me the next day about it. So, you've got these people that you're selling a product to. You've done... Okay, through whatever means, you've done the job of getting these people to turn on BT Sport. Some of them would have taken out subscriptions for it to watch that last night. Those people ought to be due their fucking money back. It was a disgrace. Like, I genuinely, I don't, I think they've missed such a trick that to allow a guy in Safari who clearly didn't come to fight, we can accept that. 
I'm not saying it's a fact. I'm just saying it may have happened. It may not have. I don't know. But there's there could have been an agreement that after four rounds, we're going to call this off. Let's have some perspective on this, yeah? Tyson Fury boxed for most of his life to become the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Um, he goes he goes on to be undefeated and knocks the guy, the man that was the man for how long? What, eight years? Decade. Or, or decade thereabouts. Decade of destruction. Yeah. The guy that David Hay couldn't beat. Yeah. Tyson Fury goes out there and makes him look average. Takes all the titles. 100%. Brilliant. He, get, wait, he then gets stripped off the titles. His license revoked. The media gets onto him over time and time again. It's easy to be like, oh, well, fuck the media. I'm going to go back and do what I, what I do. But he can't because his license is taken off him. His titles are taken off him. Guy goes into a dark place. Depression. Puts on shitloads of weight. 25 plus stone. Yep. Nearly three years later, he makes his comeback. Just coming off depression. And if you've noticed, and a lot of people are not paying attention to this, Tyson Fury is so much more cheerful than he was before all of this. And I'm not saying this is what it is, but there's an argument to suggest maybe there's some medication in there for what he's have, have what he what he's gone through. More than likely. More than likely. So he has his first fight back in nearly three years after battling the weight, depression, the media, and all the rest of it. I think cut him some slack, man. Let the guy just I go in there, you, have some fun, I, do his thing. I'm okay with Two, it. three fights in, then we can start looking into that. But exactly. for now, we should yeah. just be happy that and he's that was back. My point. He's great for boxing, not just British boxing, but world boxing. Yeah. And he's potentially a dark horse in everything. Okay, right. So, Accepting all that. Uh, let me touch on two things that you said. Number one, we need to revisit that, that Fury-Klitschko fight, I think. I think Vladimir was a, a lot worse than we're giving him credit for. Uh. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to say this because... If you step back to the Brian Jennings fight and you see what Brian Jennings went to do afterwards, you then have to go, how bad was Vladimir then? Was that the decline? So are we overselling what Fury did? Because we didn't get to benchmark that Klitschko win with a fight that followed afterwards. Yeah, but yeah. But I mean, surely then, at, at this point, you've got to like, just take it as read that Klitschko... I'll, I'll tell you why you give him his credit. Because Klitschko, after, after that fight, took a year and a half out and came back and had a fight of the year with Anthony Joshua. How bad is Joshua then? No, because then, like I said at the start of this podcast, a... wait, everything's about perspective. So you can choose to look at it from that way or you can have an optimistic view of just saying he had a very good fight against a We good don't fighter. do optimism. No, no, no. <laughs> no we're, we're, we're realists here. How can you say, who gets better after having a gap year, pounding your wife, getting her pregnant, being a dad? And then you were like, sleepless nights. And you're like, oh, I'm now <laughs> going to fight Joshua. I'll, I'll tell you who does. A guy who's been at the top for 10 years and finally gets the break that he needed. He didn't have to worry about keeping his titles, paying sanctioning fees, paying step aside money, dealing with all the politics and all the rest of it. Yeah. Breaking his body is an, is an astute yeah. professional. So maybe the break... Well, why did it take him five rounds to land a punch? Because I think Joshua is that good. Really? You believe that? I believe that that's a good part of it. And then round six, he got put down with quite possibly the most basic trick in the heavyweight arsenal. If you because get your, he's that good. If you get your basics and then, right, and then if you get your basics right, you end up being a good boxer. And then, and then, Ask Mikey Garcia about and, that. And then from round six to 10, Joshua barely lands a punch. Facts. So so how so good is this Joshua? <laughs> no, what's no. your point? <laughs> no, no. So, so what I'm saying, no, no, no listen, listen. So, so, so Coe's no, terrible, no, no, except no. when he's trying to box. No, no, no. When he's... No, uh, no. See, this is see what I have to deal with. Derail my fucking... No. You can't say Fury was terrible. We, I might have been terrible because Klitschko is terrible. Klitschko is terrible because AJ was terrible. Everyone's terrible. Yeah, everyone's terrible because Boxy's terrible. And therefore, Fury was okay last night. No. 
What? Wait, no, listen. <laughs> listen. Get to the bud by <laughs> Ivy. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's very simple logic, right? You come off, you come off, uh, what, was it a year and a half he was off? Klitschko was, yeah. Yeah, year and a half off, right? You're against the killer, Anthony Joshua, this super athlete, the guy that's doing handstands, he's doing fucking plunge push-ups and all these sorts of mad exercises. He goes in and Klitschko's clueless for the first five rounds. Joshua, by this point, has just blown himself out. It's not even that Vladimir was any good. It was just Joshua blowing himself out. By the time he gets his second win back, and he just wiped Vladimir out in round 11. So I'm not... And let's say this now. I think Joshua, for, for what he is, I think Joshua's really good. Joshua's not an all-time great. Yeah? And he fought a guy who had come off that gap year doing whatever he was doing, avoiding Shannon Briggs, <clears throat> just doing what he wanted, living life. Fine. Or... You, you, or, don't, you don't get better wait, doing wait, wait, that. Wait. A year and a half shagging his wife and... Possibly going through a six-month course of spreadsheets that can't be traceable because he's retired. <gasps> I'm oh. just saying, throwing it out there. Yes! Devil's advocate. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> My student has learned. <laughs> no, 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 no. How do we sign him up full-time? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> see, see, th- that bit I buy. But no matter how many injections you take, the, the timing, the distance, the pos- all those things you can't, you can't juice for. But you can Allegedly. juice for getting back off the floor of the fifth round. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure what we're arguing. Because, no, no, because, no, no, because, no, 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 Andy. I'll say. Uh, maybe here's Klitsch- the answer to the question. Here's maybe the, uh, Klitschko didn't no, get better. No, no, no. You know, here's the answer to the question. I'm saying that the, the the Klitschko that Fury beat has been oversold in my eyes, and that's not to say Tyson's a bad fighter. He won when he had to win, and congratulations to him. But that wasn't the Vladimir Klitschko that iced Povetkin in 2014. That's what I'm saying. So let's let's be a bit more realistic in how we talk about him. Oh, I don't know. I just and then, and make... then no, no, and then go back through Fury's record and realize, apart from that and potentially the Chisora fights, it's not an amazing record. So I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. So, so expecting him to be jumping in with fucking Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, <clears throat> Jesus Christ! No, no, here's the thing. I'm not asking him to jump in with anyone in the top ten. I'm just saying that it, there aren't. It's not black and white. It's not binary. It's not either the top 10 or Sefer Safiri. There's an awful lot of people that sit yeah, between that. Me included. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could have done a better job because Sefer Safiri didn't even... That knee? I'm not sure about that. No, or his stomach, to be fair. Um, but, you know, you're not talking... Made it to the ring. <laughs> you're not talking about somebody that's even come for a proper fight. Like, at least, I actually think it's quite disrespectful to Tyson Fury that he was even used as an opponent. That, that part I agree with, but when I look at the names from 50 to 20, a lot of those guys could beat each other. Price at 47 could nominally beat whoever's at number 19. Agree. So, so, so in that mess there, it's literally just pick one. But he wouldn't have made that top 50. He wouldn't have made 100, 200, uh, he 250. Beats, he beats Trevor Bryan. Man, Trevor Bryan's bad. Bullshit, man. I'm not, Tre- I Ryan... saw this guy at the open workout. And like he genuinely looked like he was having lessons on the pads. No, no. He, it no, was he, embarrassing. He, he was learning to tune the power down. <laughs> <laughs> he genuinely looked like a boxer size class. I, I'm someone, all... said, someone tweeted. I thought this was brilliant. It was, I'd love to see him against Damori. And I just thought, I thought... Weirdly enough, I'd quite like to see that fight. Too. Or the Cobra. Gush guy. Oh, no, because no, that was the question, wasn't it? Where someone said, is this worse than David Hay coming back against Damori? And in my head, 
no, because we weren't as scathing. I think th- there was an argument for Demori in terms of ranking, where you're like, yeah, mm, okay. Is there though? Because no, no. you look at you look at a lot, a lot. Admittedly, again, and as always, I'll come from a casual perspective. Crunch, but crunch, crunch. yeah, <laughs> when I when I'm eating my cornflakes dry in the morning, and Terry's looking through the window, and I'm looking through the boxing <laughs> boxing papers. Are they your cornflakes or Michaela's? Um, well, we tend to share them. So oh, well, well, yeah. <laughs> you say share, she, she says goes, steal. She goes and buys them, and obviously I'm kept as a man of leisure, as you say. I bet um, you go, don't you, in an apron? Yeah. Walking half. Sorry, we don't have any cornflakes. Oh, my God, Michaela's going to kill me. <laughs> um, Why is that lock changed when, when I, I get home? When, when I see David Hay versus Mark Demore, I'm thinking to myself, uh, right, fine. I don't know what these boxers have to do between coming back and when they've got to fight someone who I'm going to understand is a meaningful opponent. They've got to do something. As Umar suggested, shaking off ring rust. I have absolutely no context as to what it takes to do that anyway. But you know, straight out of the bat, even if for someone like yourself who might know the rankings of certain people, you know, they're just like, you just think, right, it's going to get sparked out in about four rounds. Well, there you go. And then it happens. And then it happens again, the next opponent. And then he goes, this bloke's the 14th best fighter in Kazakhstan. But that might make you think he's terrible. But actually, he's got 99 fights with no losses. And then he sparks him out in the end of the second round. You're like... Oh, right, okay. That's the bit that annoys me, is the overselling of things. So when you see Fury coming back, you think to yourself, okay, I understand you're coming back. But you think to yourself, if you are as good as he's... Because it's not like he's said, I've got to take my time coming back. He's just come back going, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. I am undisputed. And and then he comes back and fights someone that's not only unknown, which you kind of tolerate and you expect is going to happen anyway, but someone who's not even a legit heavyweight. Andy, you're a cornflakes cruncher. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, take take a step back. I'll tell you why. No, no, take a step back. I just want to throw this in quickly. In Tyson's most honest interview, the one he did with Coogan, uh, where he has the cap and the blue shirt on. Nah, the Glenn McCrory one was When he's doing the accounting. Is that I'm doing the accounts? Yeah. Basically, he said something interesting there where they're asking, would you fight Bellew? And what he said was, I'm not letting anyone take advantage of me until I'm match fit. I might have to have four or five shitty fights to get and match fit. And he said that more times since, which is why I called your conference. And that, so, so Tyson understands, because he's versed in boxing, he understands he has to get match fit. Mm. A lot, Because of the level he's at, a lot of the match fitness is going to come from who he spars, not who he fights. And the fight thing is just getting those reps and we talk about this a lot. Yeah. It's the reps. It's just going through the process so psychologically it's not a big deal. So that was probably his second biggest fight. No, so basically, long, right? Andy, the difference is what you explained was um, someone fighting somebody else and trying to justify why they're a great opponent and then they beat them inevitably and then they say, oh, because I beat this person, I'm the greatest boxer. Tyson has been on record time and time again, even in fight week, saying, look, I need a good three, four fights to get back to where I was. I need a few knockovers. So he's not trying to sell a dream to anyone. He's not trying to be, he's, if anything, he's being honest about it. And he's openly saying, look, I know I'm fighting guys that I'm expected to beat, but I just need to shake this rust off to get back to where I'm so supposed to I, be. I have a question then, which is, what do you, what do you get from, what does he get from that that he wouldn't get from the exact same setup just not a load of people. Part of the him. issue is is that it's, it, there's a big mental side to Tyson Fury. We know that anyway, but for him to and normally I would disregard it. So when Huey Fury they made the argument that he was going through the motions of a fight night, 
prior to uh, oh, the, the Joseph Parker fight. Oh, yeah, the, the exhibition. exhibition fight. So they wanted to go through the motions of wrapping the glo- uh, the hands, putting the gloves on, doing the ring walk. Didn't understand that for Huey Fury. Understand that for Tyson Fury last night. He's been away for two and a half years. He needs to get that first ring walk out of the system. Yeah. He needs to go through it. He probably needed to settle his own head and understand that 15,000 people weren't there to boo him. Because yeah. for all of the front, he's probably also got a lot of insecurities that he needs to challenge. And yeah. for him to hear 15,000 people Saturday night chanting for him, cheering him, probably meant an awful lot. And I understand that. And I understand they have to go through those motions. And I think that's fantastic they did it. But I can't accept, I can't accept Safiri as being an acceptable opponent. Or if you're going to do it, then allow them to fight properly. Okay. Which they clearly did that, so, that bit I agree with, but who would you stick him in the ring with? I'll go and scan box rec for anywhere between <laughs> 20 and 50, and I'll find a name no, but, that but I'm comfortable no, with. But, but you see my point, though. It, it doesn't, there's nothing that pops out the Is that, for intents and purposes, Ian Lewison. is that a dummy run? No, essentially, and to answer you, Andy, because I'm, I'm sure, I don't know how wide your reach is, but I'd imagine there are a bunch of other casuals listening. So the difference between... Uh, Andy's a the no, legion. No, no, you're like, you're the Captain ca- Casual. You're ca- self-proclaimed. So I'm <laughs> the comfortable casual legion. That. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, casual. Yeah, Probably so not as casual as me. The difference but... between doing that where he did it and doing it without 15,000 people around is... Um, so the, the actual fight and you're in the ring and you know, you're doing what you're doing and that's okay. Um, on a surface level, it's that. But it's the dealing with press conferences before, build up to the yes. fight. Um, media oh. obligations, dealing with the pressure of everyone being on your case about this fight that you have coming up, understanding that you're the main event and you're the reason why everyone's here, dealing with that pressure, which is part of the pressure Joshua would have to deal with, with um, what's the name? Klitschko, but not to detract. So it's dealing with that, even the ring walk itself, and then coming in and just thinking, okay, the lights are on, everyone's here to watch me, um, people are watching at home, all of this pressure's on me, um, I know I'm a great fighter, but actually... I haven't had any positive reinforcement for over two and a half years. No, okay. Do you understand? Mm. And then trying to then, you know, do your thing whilst being entertaining. And it could have... So there are, a lot of, there are a lot of nuances that come with it that make, make it such a different thing. It could have all gone gym. blank as well. Yeah. yeah. It could have, you know, that opening bell might have gone shut down. Yeah. Because for me, <clears throat> the fight, when people say, oh, who, I'd like to just have got someone like Gary Cornish in there. For no other reason than it would have just looked... You know, I think that a lot of the issue is Safari looks so small next to Fury. I think that was the biggest issue. If, you, if you'd had a lad who was from Albania with that same record, same everything, but he was six foot six, Mark I Maury. think people would have been slightly more comfortable with that. Cornish would have been fine. Yeah, I, 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 They were looking at him for Joyce, from my understanding. I would, I would have had a look at Cornish. So for me, that if someone said, who would you choose? It would have been Gary Cornish, go in there, bang, 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 put him over, give him a little kiss afterwards. And go right. Thank you. Right. So the, question but the fact is, he what? never came out after the fourth when he hadn't take taken any sustained punishment. I want to ask a question here. What does, does the theory anyone, do next? No, no. Does anyone think there's something more to this? Maybe someone, you know, maybe someone's being looked after. No, I don't think so. I think he just thought I'm a check. If anything would be different, I'd say Andy Alien should have phoned David Hay and said, "I need one of those opponents. Where'd you find them?" Because then at least they'll look the part. Andy who? <laughs> Andy who? Andy. Andy no, 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 no. Doesn't get mentioned on it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Terry's asking for his money. Shout out Andy Ailing. <laughs> <laughs> so 
top official. Are <laughs> oh, you going to listen to this because you're on? Ailey, just pay me my fucking 200 quid. <laughs> Does that go back to Hara Davis, Derry Matthews? He's already spent it. <laughs> Ailing, um, coming from an accountant, that was in last year's tax year, so you are no longer obliged to pay him the money. Debts exist into perpetuity. And Terry's going to have to write that off as a bad debt. However, it's Terry Wonga Chapandama. That's now like seven grand. <laughs> Terry Wonga <laughs> The APR on that is sensational. <laughs> Didn't he pass away after Eurovision? Um, so uh, what did... <laughs> What right. does the fairy do now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where does he go from here? Yeah, that's what we want to know. <laughs> Brings over Sylvia, Esther, Sedalia <laughs> for for a promoter to use to entertain officials. Well, who does Fury fight next? So I've said Charles Martin. It won't be but Charles Martin. And I tell you why. Because since Joshua dealt with Martin, his 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 Root back has been perfect. Fury will deal with Martin. Come whoa, whoa, him. he'll deal with him. <laughs> 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 what ounces? Or <laughs> what we're talking? <laughs> no, honestly, uh, and, and, and I don't imagine. I don't imagine the Martin. penny drops. <laughs> yeah. and I don't the imagine... eyes in my head rolling. <laughs> so were Charles Martin's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't imagine Martin wouldn't cost that much. He's a Heyman guy. I'm sure. Something that could be done, but here's the thing: I'm going to speculate on this. Joshua will fight Povetkin. That's not really speculation. And oh, then yeah, someone leaked it recently. I can't remember who it was. They it said it last it night. Was Warren, on, uh, yeah, it was Warren. It was Warren. Yeah, it's it like... an open secret. <laughs> yeah. That was absolutely savage. I, lo- I love that. I, I love. love that. The, I love. I love the grass and culture of Queensbury. <laughs> that was savage. And then no, no so they've learned well, aren't they, Martin? So so. so <laughs> 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 so Joshua beats Povetkin. Expect him to fight Manuel Char. In December, it'll be an O2 fight. They'll they'll make out like they're giving it back to the fans. Oh, they'll put it on normal O2. Sky, maybe. Yeah. He will fight Manuel Char to take that WBA regular off the table because Fury could win that this year. And as soon as he wins that, didn't Fury say he's not going into a meaningful fight until next year? They'll talk about fighting Char this year. All right. And and to be honest, Manuel Char is not a massive heavyweight. And remember, they had the thing at FIBO last year where they went head to head. Yes. Yeah, so so there's already it's already been set up, but Hearn's not stupid. Hearn realizes if that WBA regular falls into Fury's hands, that fight has to happen, and it won't happen at a time in the choosing of Hearn's liking. So I wouldn't be surprised if Joshua offers Charm money for a fight in December, just a quick knockover, get rid of him, get rid of that belt. Right, right, okay. I suppose we can move on from Fury now. No, one last thing on it. Okay, promise. Um. What a clusterfuck between BT Sport and Box Nation. Like, I, apologies here, Marcus. I know you're affiliated. Well, in- no, hold on, hold on. Before you carry on. Guys, before I came on, they asked me if they can ask any questions. And I said, go ahead. I'm an open book. Go for it. Don't 100%. There is nothing. Don't let me restrict you. It's just that if you're making a sweeping comments, then or statements, then allow me to comment on it. Absolutely. Mm, Absolutely. Cool. I'd appreciate it as well. But you've got. You might get stopped quite a bit. Uh, Tyson Fury <laughs> is promoted by anyone? Pass. Frank Warren. Frank Warren. Yeah. Yeah. Frank Warren, who owns Box Nation, mm-hmm. rightly or wrongly, I'm sure that's right. Mm-hmm. 
You're on shaky ground. These trick here. questions. I could have answered these ones and looked really knowledgeable. 100%. And so you've got loyal Box Nation subscribers who have been paying £12 a month, £10 a month, whatever it is from day one, that have been paying into Box Nation all that time. And then that fight last night wasn't on Box Nation. It was only on BT Sport. And so there are people out there that are paying £10, £12, whatever it is per month still for Box Nation that weren't able to watch it. I just... I'm absolutely baffled by the whole situation. And then it's presented by the people that would have presented it if it was on Box Nation. You still had Barry Jones, Bunce, McIntosh, uh, that prick Dempsey. Hey, Dempsey's a cool guy, man. No, I'm not having it. Um, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Has he tried to sue you? He will, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just... You can't keep Box Nation as it is without giving the domestic content that it requires. you had I don't know what they were showing. Oh, I do. They were showing Lomachenko-Linares at the same time last night as that whole BT Sport card. So there were lads that were boxing on the undercard of the BT Sport that didn't get shown, which like I know is something you'll sympathise with, Umar, because mm-hmm. you've had that before. Yeah. So I've never understood this. You've got a channel. <laughs> you've got the production already in place. You've got a channel you could show 24-7 live boxing if you mm-hmm. cared to. I don't understand how that opportunity to broadcast and build your own fighters is passing them by when you've got that many subscribers already to Box Nation. Yeah, well, uh, I, did, I, I did get frustrated at, at the start about it, but then I just thought to myself, it's so obvious that I'm pretty sure they've got a plan that would all make sense in time. So I'm just trusting in the process and biding my time. I mean, um, I, I... but yeah, seriously, like they've got to have some sort of a plan. But ultimately, from a selfish perspective, I'm going to be a big star. So eventually, I'm going to end up on BT Sport, and that would no, that would no longer affect me. And then he won't um, come on this podcast either. He'd have lost nah, his roots. Why not? Come on, man! Shout out my day ones, <laughs> New Age podcast, pet talk, <laughs> fight talk, everyone. But um, what's it? Yeah, so I think you know whatever it is will come to light at some point. But also, last night, the American showing was on Box Nation. So it's not like the Box Nation subscribers are missing out totally. No, I... They're still, they're still getting, you know, the American it, shows and whatnot. And it's £12 a month as opposed to having to pay pay-per-view or whatever. There is else. content on Box Nation that is good content. I'm not disputing that at all. It just... It was always built as the home of UK boxing. And now UK yeah. boxing, in that sense, the Tyson Fury element yeah. has moved. So, and it's so, on BT Sport. So I'm okay with... If they segregated and they go, look, the content for the hardcores goes straight onto Box Nation. I'm comfortable yeah, with Yeah, the quality yeah. overseas, the Lomachenko Linares, the Crawford Horn, great. If they're honest about that yeah. and say, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. So so, so all the undercard, like all these guys we're wanting to build, we're going to put on Box Nation. Box Nation is our home for the hardcores. You really want to find that guy boxing in Preston that no one talks about, Box Nation is the home for you, right? That works for me. BT Sports should be for that that sort of marquee level. More casual level. Yes. Which is fine. And, and I wish they'd just be clear about what the demarcation is so you know what you're signing up to. Mm. Agree. Um, it's Look, I'm going to be honest with you. It seems that the Warren camp don't have a clue. That's my opinion. It, it, it's almost like you need to sit down with them and go, what are you trying to do? Let's start with that. What are you actually trying to do? Because if you look at their, if you look at their lead-off, yeah, their lead-off is stronger than Hearns. Fury, Saunders, Frampton. That's a strong front three. Yeah. And now Warrington. Well, yeah. After beating Selby, you've got to give him the credit. He, man. No, no, no. I'll give him his credit, but he's not, he's not that. Look, 
Frampton, my mum wouldn't know his name. Frampton brings a country, but right? he can be no. built now. No, here's an example. He's can. got a title and a city behind him. No, That's, no, 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 it no. shouldn't be too hard to build him. No, off no, the back I'm with of you. That. But look, Frampton has a country behind him mm-hmm. on both sides of the border. Fury yeah. has a culture behind him. Yeah, Fury, he has a traveler community behind him. So as the, the and, and Billy and Billy Joe has that thing of he went abroad and messed up the mule as well. So he's got. So that's why I call him the top of three. I think Warrington sits just behind those guys. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So that's fucking strong. Build it around that. So now start to say to me, Billy Joe will fight Golovkin, right? You give me that in September. Thank you, Frank. I'll take that. Frampton's going to fight whoever, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe he fights Oscar Valdez, whatever. Cool. I'll take that. You tell me his pay-per-view. I accept that if the card is strong. What I don't want to be is I don't want to be in a position in September where Billy Joe Saunders is fighting Jason Wellborn. I don't want to be in a position where he's fighting Dominic Wade. I don't want to be in a position where he's fighting Emmanuel Aleem. I don't. I want Billy Joe to be in a fight where I'm like, wow. Yeah. And, and we've waited long enough for that. I want it to be the fight that we probably assume they can't make. Yeah, but to be fair, I know the Lemieux fight is long ago and all the rest of it. I'm not trying to like bring up old things, but at the time that fight was made, that was a while because not a lot of people thought it was going to be a shutout. I thought it, no, no, and, and a lot of people thought Billy Joe was actually going to lose that. Yeah, no, no, but he was. We all gave him credit for that, but that's Lemieux now, right? Mm-hmm. You've had that WBO belt for a while. You need to start engaging with some of the people who are kind of your contemporaries now, right? Yeah. And that this is the time for that. So if Frank and BT make that happen, I'm okay. If they then tell me that here's the roadmap for Fury, yeah? We're going to give him two or three knockovers. Then we're going to get that WBA regular or we're going to get him up in the WBO. I'm okay with that. End of 2019, we expect him to fight one of the big two. You, you give me that roadmap because that's what Hearn will do. Even if it doesn't come to pass, you've given me that credibility today. Yeah. And then with Frampton, the same thing. That's all we want Frank to do. Why Why is that so fucking hard for the man to do? Uh, on another note, actually, I was talking about Frampton. Fight Talk, I know you listened to this. On your last podcast, you were talking about um, the Selby Warrington show was the only one that Frank could put on, but you're forgetting the Frampton Donair show, man. Anyway, true. So let's bring it back. <laughs> no, no, it's true. And, I was there, great atmosphere, no, sell out. And I was happy with that fight. I, yeah. that it was a good show as well. Yeah, it was a good, good show. That made perfect no sense. No fights in the crowd. Neither were there any fights at the Selby Warrington. Yeah, Belfast is not the place Con- where one fights in Con- the crowd. Con- contrary to what Terry publicised on this very podcast about Leeds, um, there was absolutely no trouble at the show. <laughs> Everyone was great. Absolutely <laughs> no. Oh, but, but, oh. There, um, <laughs> but there was loads in the way, wasn't there? Oh, Sel- Selby. No, no, I noticed. Oh, Did you, you see when when Sanaga and Selby were trying to get they had home? to get in the car? They, well, no, they got in the car. And they were just banging. Hey, you for? There was some Tommy Robinson wannabe smashing on the yeah. fucking. <laughs> no one Tommy Robinson wannabe. One of them did. <laughs> yeah. um, but final point on it. My, it was chatting with David McGinley, and I think. Um, I'm going to take a pun. MTK came out the other day and said they got a huge announcement during like five days or something. Mm-hmm. They've since taken it down. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take a pun. MTK end up running the domestic side of Box Nation. So that wouldn't be bad at all. I think, because MTK must run two dozen shows up and down the country, maybe per year. They do Scotland, Manchester, Birmingham, London. Mm. They stream the, the London ones off IFL. I'm going to take a pun. MTK end up being the domestic content of Box Nation, or they end up on Free Sport. No, I think it'll be this. I'm I'm taking a punt because there's a lot of close links between Warren and MTK yeah. that are quite evident. You know that Belfast show, the whole undercard was MTK. Yeah, Frampton's MTK. Yeah. Um, Fury I c- Saunders. Yeah, I can just see that there would be a very 
at the moment, they're moving all that domestic content, it seems, to BT uh, Sport. Can you explain what MTK is? MTK is a I'm, management company. Right, um, so they ma- and a promotion. So, and, and a pro- promotional firm. So... Yeah. So, right, so, you, know, you, you remember when we went and did promote. the fucking MTK yeah, I, commentary? I understand that. <laughs> it's not just for me, is it? <laughs> it's, but we've already spoken on this podcast about... Um, you can't manage Frank- and promote in the US. In the UK, you don't have what's called the hourly act, so you actually can here. Oh, you can? Okay. Yeah, in so, the UK, but in the US, you can't. So, But fighters like that you just mentioned there, like um, Fury... At all, you've yeah. said that they're they're under the MTK what MTK management, yeah, or yeah. like advisory, yeah, um, right, in okay. some scenarios, right, okay. So that's going to be my punt: is that MTK end up, you know, the the Warren side of it gets shifted onto BT Sport domestically. MTK fulfil the domestic boxing on Box Nation, and you still show the international content. That'd be great for everyone. Oh, that'd be painful. No nah, man. I, I, but uh, why? Two minutes well, ago, no, no, you were saying that it should it, be for the it. hardcores. That you want to see <laughs> something up in Preston? But, but, <laughs> now we're saying, now we're saying you can see the stuff up in Preston. It's a painful. Terry's that guy that just likes to be different. <laughs> no, oh, no, we just want to see more Fury, no. Severi, like just no. that sort of shit. Let's know Melinares, more Fury, no, no. Severi. No. And it's why, so long as it's not on Box Nation. No, no. It's why I was very, it's why I was very precise when I said you could shift the the Warren undercards on. Those, come on, man. Those eighty uh, percent of those MTK shows are a dire. And, and force and, them and, to up their game. <laughs> when you look at the one they're no. doing at York Hall, it's actually very, very. Uh, good. I think well, it'll be good what, personally. For fighters get more exposure, which means that they can get. Wait, hold no. on, hold on. Is is commonly known fighters that fight on MTK and other small hall shows struggle with money and selling tickets. Hundred percent. Get some sort of TV exposure. We help them in that respect. We also help them with sponsorships. Not only that, it would help the profile, which would then help easily feed them into the BT. Uh, and also, so, so I, I, should that happen? I, I, need, can... I need to have my Terry comment on this one. A lot of those guys, man, shouldn't even... I mean, they should just be... I mean, emptying bins and stuff. I'm going to just be real. <laughs> nah, there's a, there's a lot of those guys who... Oh. Come on, man. <laughs> really? Uh, no, no. And, and, here's, and here's why I say that, You know when you right? said about sweeping statements? No, no, no. Go. Here's I why I say it. that. The chain isn't pulled. I look... <laughs> I look at someone like Dan Aziz. Like when Dan Aziz is on an MTK show, I'm looking for that fight because I know where Dan's come from, right? Mm-hmm. I'm looking for that fight. But I'm always unlucky. I've got to sit there and watch the trash before, sometimes the trash afterwards. And I'm like, come on, man. Did like, you catch more commentating after his last fight? I don't, I, it's all on mute. Oh, as you, you understand why. You fucked up, man. What do they call it? Fair press. You fucked we, up. <laughs> fair commentary. Yeah? <laughs> Lee Eaton never gave us a reason why. Because you know, everyone else has to have a goal. I've had a goal once. You've well, had no, a goal no. once. Well, why didn't they say, all right, we're just going to round robin it? Why does that Andy Clark get to do it more than once? Because that's Andy Clark. Yeah, because he's Mr. Charisma, right? Oh, uh, yeah. We actually uh, got, just, asked, we got I, asked back and then they reneged. No, reneged would saying, make it sound like they went, wait, wait, no, wait. sorry, you can't do it. Here, here, well, here that's this. true. We didn't have... They, here they, they just just worth considering. I, mean, I don't blame them. We're just, job shite. Just worth considering. I mean, yeah, but why get us on in the first place? That's my argument. Needed you should have never had us on. Agree. Just a quick one to buttress it, right? So for me with MTK, they need to sort out their roster. But I've said this about a lot of the small hall guys. I know we're going to touch on the matchroom show from Wednesday as well. That was that shot across the bows that said, this is what your hall can look like if you put the right kind of fights on and you push it the right way. Because... I'm bored of everyone saying boxers need to eat. And, and boxers become this passive consumers 
of money and resource and energy and fan affection. I'm like, but what are you really doing? Man, I haven't got time to do anything. I've got to keep training. And if you go back to earlier episodes of the podcast, that's why I always used to talk up Uma. Because Uma was doing that. He was pushing that envelope. I saw him. What are you talking about? Yeah, but you know, everyone's copying your stuff now. That's okay, because if everyone copies it, then it brings up the entire image of boxing. I'm not selfish. My shit comes from originality. If everyone copies, I'll just do another thing. Nice. But but back to my point. If you're going to put this on TV, you have to fundamentally change the product because that Brentwood Centre product is not TV worthy. Um, The standard Goodwin show is not TV worthy. But they don't have the backing of a Sky production team. Well, it's not even that. Just put them in with... I just want to see guys who have talent being tested and I say this because I get frustrated when I watch someone like an Adrian Martin I really like Adrian Martin um I think he's a top guy Jack Dan Aziz I think they're really really good guys and I'm watching them in with these guys I'm like even if this was the amateurs back in the day you'd have just run over him in a round where's your where's your opportunity to to show someone who you're about because you know like in in a sea full of trash you're there just fishing for the quality I don't want to fish for the quality Mm. but I don't think MTK just signed any and anybody there are some promoters out there small promoters who would literally just go can you do 100 tickets I'll take you on but I don't think MTK do that no names (laughs) (laughs) allegedly (laughs) allegedly okay let's move on shall we that seems like a nice how far are we in we're um, 1 hour 35 so we're nearly let's let's do Umar come on Let's take a break. Are we going to ignore Crawford? No, we'll what? come to that. But no, like, okay. we've chatted boxing for a lot. Let's chat to Umar. Let's, the man's travelled up here. Let's give him some, uh, some air time. Welcome, Umar, obviously. I mean, it's a bit late to say that, but, you know. No, I did that before it, you didn't welcome him. So. You said it earlier. I even uh, got a hug from Michaela. It might not have happened. I might have just imagined it. Mate, pack your bags, Andy. Was it one of those ones where you like you proper wrap your arms around and feel their breasts against you as well? Spoken from a man who... This is, this Every is, man out there knows what I'm on about. I actually don't. <laughs> <laughs> he'll get a cuddle and he'll turn to me and go, I just got laid. <laughs> well, I came. That counts, right? <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, uh. Anyway. <laughs> okay, look, let, let's jump in. I'm going to ask you a question. Go for it. You happy with two fights so far? Or do you wish you had more? Ideally, I would have had more. When was the debut? September 16th. Cool. Yeah, so ideally I would have had more, but there are understandable circumstances behind why I have only had two so far. So I had my debut September 16th. Then um, I was meant to box in December the 9th. I personally chose to be afloat in that fight. So Frank One Promotions didn't actually offer that to me. I asked for it because um, I'm all about the development. I'm all about getting ready for winning a title and keeping a title. So I wanted to deal with the mental strain that would come with being afloat in a fight and, you know, should we warm up now? Should you not? And um, one way or another, through BT's fault, I didn't manage to... BT still get me on, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but well, <laughs> one way or another, through, um, through BT's doing, um, I didn't manage to get on the show. So that was a gamble I took. I knew it was a chance before I took it, so I can't complain. It's very rare that a float doesn't get out at all. Um, so that was down to BT not getting me on when there was an available slot, but then also the venue having a curfew. Yeah. So at the end of it, Andy Ailing, Terry's best friend, and your best friend, Martin, um, we actually had an argument with the organisers or the, not sorry, the, you know, what would you call them? The managers of the venue literally having arguments with them about, you know, trying to get Hamza and I on 
Hamza Shiraz. Um, but they just weren't having any of it. So Did we couldn't. So you got a co-lead, basically. In essence. And then, obviously, the venue wouldn't allow the fight to go on. Yeah, because that happened. With, was, that, was that on the AJ Klitschko where Lawrence didn't get on? It was. Um, yeah. He didn't get on on that one. And then in Manchester, when he was meant to be making his debut, he made it after the last, oh, the main event. Yeah. yeah but Do you draw okay. inspiration from that in the fact that Ocolius since headlined two shows on Sky? Um, yeah, and in less than 10 fights. So it goes to show if you're willing to take risks or well, what people perceive as risk, obviously his success speaks for itself. He's taking those fights because he absolutely knows he would win them and the team knows he would. Um, and that's the same for me. I'm willing to go into certain fights already. And to most people, they look like risks, but I know that I'd win them. Um, but to go back to your question, so that was December. Then the next show was two months later in February. Um, so February 9th, Billy Joe pulls out, no, no, Tete pulls out of injury. But within the same month, so two weeks later, Frank Warren split the show into two cards at your call. And Is I that got the one that became the Untouchables? Yeah, that and the... I got to box on that. Then there was meant to be April. That was the... Van Pooch, wasn't it? No, Van Pooch was debuted. That okay. was... Um, Shit, how did that? Ne- ne- Neves. Neves. Yours to Neves. Right. Yeah. Awkward. So, awkward as shit. He moves backwards consistently. <laughs> awkward. Backwards, Makes sideways. Awkward. <laughs> He's an awkward. I watched awkward Linus against. He was well. breathing. He was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't just stop after four rounds. Do you know what I mean? It's a theory. <laughs> I, I thought he'd stop moving laterally, but. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I got to box in February then as a replacement to December. So if you're looking at a timeline, it's actually a decent timeline every two or so months. Um, and then from February, you know, you got March, April. So that would have been two months later. But Billy Joe pulled out again. The show's been rescheduled for June. Um, I did have the option on a, on, of going on a smaller show, but then um, when I reflected on it, or when I thought about it with my team, it was more, it would have just been about getting some rounds out um, against someone else with a losing record. And I felt like going to America and getting some training and sparring out there would have done me so much more. Which was when the, you were in Vegas? Yeah, to the development of my career. So I've actually been to America twice this year. So first time I went to Texas, second time I went to Vegas and LA. Um, so... In there, I've got to do a lot of training, seen a lot of champions train in Texas. I was with the Charlo, well, well Jamal Charlo. Um, LA, I was in wild card, um, trained with, um, train, oh, what's his name? Shit. There's a coach there. It was really good. He taught me some good stuff. Really got, memorable. Yeah, really memorable. I remember him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, can, can we, let, let, let's just touch on that because I think, I think the, the Texas experience is, is almost relevant now, isn't it? Go on. Because I've become a massive fan of the Charlo brothers. They... Their interviews are brilliant. The, en- <laughs> the, the, the energy they have, it, it's, it's weird. Like there's this idea in psychology that there's a group energy. So mm. if I come in super hyper, right? And if I can do that for long enough, everyone starts to pick up on it. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you watch a fight happen in a, at a boxing show. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but, every, but everyone starts to get that. You, everyone gets revved up mm-hmm. and they don't even know why. Even mild-mannered people get a bit revved up. And you see the energy those Charlos have. So, like, I don't know if you did Ronnie Shields and Derek James' spots. No, I didn't, did I didn't get to do Derek James. The timing didn't work yeah. out. Um, so, it was Ronnie Shields. Yeah, so it was Ronnie Shields. Um, I was with, and obviously, he trains Jamal Charlo, the older yeah. one, the 160 pounder. Um, and a few of my mates actually though, on the Nigerian team, um, the Nigerian Olympic team. And that's so. who you were out seeing as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, it was, it was a bit of an all, all round beneficial trip. Um, and then, yeah, like second time round, which I came back from about three weeks or so ago, like I said, LA wildcard and whatnot, um, got sparked really good people, went to um, Vegas, a few gyms there, including Mayovers, obviously. I even got sparked with Andrew Tabiti. 
And it turned out Aspada and Latif Coyote as well within the same week. And they're <laughs> going to each, each other. other. Yeah, yeah. Why is everyone avoiding Tabiti? Like, he's the guy that never gets spoken about as a cruiserweight. But every time you see Tabiti, you're like, I think he could, he could hurt a lot of the names that we look at. Like, you could have put him in that World Boxing Super Series and I don't think he would have disgraced himself. Yeah, potentially. Because he's, he's got that... It's weird to explain. You know when you look at someone and physically you're like, he looks like he's just carved from like oak or something. <laughs> now what he's 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 quite sharp, so that's good. Like explosive is actually what I should say. So um, I can imagine that would give a lot of cruiserweights trouble. Obviously, I'm too weak divisions below, so the speed is not too overwhelming for me. But for the heavier guys, I can see that. Um, but yeah, so if you look at the timeline, um, for no fault of Frank's, really, um, I've had two fights so far, and I'm gonna have my third on June the twenty third. Rhyming. <laughs> so when if you said this time next year, yeah, how many fights do you think you'd have had? Um, I don't know, it's a bit hard to say, but I do want to stay active, I do want to be busier. Six oh, seven oh maybe. I'd like to be more than seven and oh really? this time next year, yeah. I would, ideally I'd have another four this year. But you're gonna have to go on the you're gonna have to like sort of do what Dan's doing, for example. Yeah, and if I had to, then I'll do that. I'm happy so to again, do... take shows on other people sorry, fights on other people's shows. Yeah, and I'm happy to do that and i was, I've um I've alluded to it with Frank Warren and I know that he would give me his support if I wanted to do it. So the options are there. I've just chosen to, you know, do things a different way. So instead of going to the States, like I said, I could have boxed on an MTK show or something and yeah. Frank would have been fully supportive of it. So, so it surprises me that Frank, with his track record, doesn't have contingency plans for anything because whenever Billy Joe fights announced, I say to middleweights, just stay on weight. Whatever you do, stay on weight, stay sharp, because when it goes tits up, there'll be an opportunity somewhere. Yeah, but then Murray's fighting someone else now. Yeah, but you know, they found, I think it's Roberto Garcia, right? Yeah. But they were ringing everyone else around. So I know they rang Liam Cameron, but Liam Cameron's so far off fight weight that he can't do it. But they were looking at people in the UK. I say that to people. With someone like Billy Joe, who's got a record, stay ready, because something will happen in that sense. And... Frank, you know, Frank could have easily gone right. Billy Joe middleweight will have Langford Wellborn here, for example. If that goes to, we can just whack someone in there if we need to. Right. And, and I don't think he did because Hearn would have done that. Hearn would have. Yeah, had, so we're told. And I'm, I'm not yeah, knocking I know, him. No, no, I know. I yeah, know, I'm, I'm, I'm not knocking him at all. I think I he's a brilliant promoter. He does I, a brilliant I'm job. I'm cynical about yeah. the Takam thing too. But we don't believe but, the narrative of. Yeah. I'm not saying I believe it. And I'm not saying I don't believe. I don't have enough information, but. It is a convenient thing to throw in there. Takam was seen having a good time in Paris (laughs) when they said he was in camp. That's all I can say. Hilton. So I'd like to think Frank has a thing that says, look, if I don't feel my lads are getting out enough, I can just put them on these shows. I know he does it with like Naylor Ball. So Naylor Ball will go and do shows that are a bit off the grid. But it doesn't seem that there's like an active process to... Yeah. To keep and, and I guess um, this saga hopefully would you know get him thinking more about that. So we'll I see hope how so. Things go I'm, look, I'm happy to talk to Frank. If anyone wants to put us in touch, got some ideas. I'm happy to sit down with Frank. You know, <laughs> you're going to need a man. lawyer next to you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> of all the people that won't need one, he'll need one. <laughs> just, no. just say to him, look, if I say or do anything to piss you off, please feel free to sue Martin. Again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, I wanted to touch on a while back. I was trying to stir it up on Twitter between uh, you and Cello Render. Yeah. 
<laughs> just because that's what I like to do, really. Uh, it never quite came off because Cello Render, after we beat... Blocked um, you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no? What a surprise. I was beat Liam McKenzie yeah. in like a fight of the year contender. Yeah. Nobody will fight him. And nope. So I tweeted, he was saying like, I just want someone to fight me. And so mm-hmm. I think I tagged you in. And I was yeah. like, Umar Sadiq will. I hadn't really discussed this for you. I was yeah. just, I was, <laughs> I was coming to my own conclusions. But like, if, there's a difficulty. It wouldn't get sanctioned by the board for the southern area right now. Yeah. Two and zero. They so wouldn't. there was a lot of naivety at the time on my on my side because I was well up for it when you um, tagged me in it. But at the time, I'd had one fight. I was going into my second fight, and um, he responded with something like, "Mate, you've only had one fight. I'm looking for big fights." And I was like, "Fair enough." Can't argue <laughs> with you. So um, I was like, "I'll call you out after my second fight." But then in that process, I, I then got to realize that the guys lost so many fights. Yeah, he holds the um, Southern Area title, which I'm coming to understand might have to be something I'll fight for. But ideally, I would like to just jump straight to the English. Um, but um, <laughs> Terry loves. But um, yeah, so but I don't know. Th- that fight doesn't appeal to me so much anymore because I, I see it as fair enough. He's Cello Rendon. He had that great fight with Leon McKenzie. But um, it's like my whole thing is I'm trying to get away from fighting people with losing records. So then why would I be pushing for a fight with Cello Rendon okay. unless it's put on me? No, so I think with Cello, it's it's like that the, the, the kid Ryan Doyle. Yes. Who beat Reese Bellotti. A lot of Renders defeats come when it's like, mate, we need you to jump in. Billy Joe's pulled out, for example. And so Render comes in cold. They should have called Render. <laughs> <laughs> the big fight he's been asking for. <laughs> yeah, catchweight. He'd have done it. But I think... He's a different fighter if you give him a camp. I don't think he, I'm not going to say he's a monster. But weirdly enough, like in Peterborough, he has a reputation of being like, they're like, no, 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 no. Forget boxing, mate. He's a legitimate hard man. Mm. Which is one of the reasons I quite like Cello Render because he's so that guy that you, if you said to him, mate, you've got to fight Golovkin on two weeks' notice, he'd take it. Wouldn't even consult his team. Oh, yeah, I'll take that fight. So there's that bit I like about him. So where I was going with this is the like, we touched on it earlier, your campmate, Lawrence Ocoli, mm-hmm. taking what are perceived by the public as risky fights. So Isaac Chamberlain, uh, Luke Watkins, come yeah. through both with flying colours. Yeah. Are those risky fights early on in the career something that you're also going to start trying to push it's, for? It's something I've always been about. The first meeting I had with Frank Warren, ever, halfway through the meeting, he stopped me speaking and he was like, I get the impression you'd fight for a world title in the first year if we let you. But there's a process you're going to have to go through. So I've always been of that mindset. And that confidence comes from, and I repeat this so many times, I went into the ABAs after nine fights. Most people don't do that. And I didn't just go in because my club were like, oh, it would be nice for you to go into it. I begged to go into it for two weeks, every single session. And they let me go into it because the, the, the head coach, Tony Byrne, said, I'm going to let you go into it because you've been bothering me. But I told you so. And I went in there and started beating top-class fighters and that speaks volumes of, it's not, it's not deluded confidence. It's, I train so meticulously. I watch so much boxing that I understand nuances that a lot of people don't see. So when I look at a fighter and styles make fights and I say, look, I will beat that fighter or I'm ready for this, that or the other. Believe me, I am. I'm not just saying it because it's arrogant, um, ignorant um, you yeah, know, yeah. claim. So yeah. from that point on, from my 10th fight in amateurs, all I've done is box elite fighters, nationally, internationally, all the rest of it. I only know how to fight against people who are a, a certain caliber of fighters with certain pedigree and are coming to win. Well, 
so when I bought Vampoosh, for example, um, on my debut, a lot of people are like, oh, that's one of the best debuts we've seen because it was such a calculated performance and all the rest of it. But I didn't feel like the fight was as engaging as it should have been. Um, I also felt like there could have been so much more I could have done, but he wouldn't fall for traps because he just didn't want to do it. He doesn't anything. do that. He doesn't <laughs> you know do I mean? that. And then, um, then I fought um, Neves and that, I boxed that fight out of character. I put my hands up for that because um, I went into that fight and my strategy was I'm just going to go at him and throw loads of punches and entertain the crowd. And if it looks like I'm getting hit, then I'll just have to go back to my old. But I didn't. So I just went you know, mad on that one. And that was just for the sake of everyone has come to watch me. They paid for a ticket in December. They didn't get to watch me. I'm trying to give them something more to get them excited about. And that's what that was about. But now I'm back to I'm boxing. Um, all these people I'm calling and you're probably going to allude to Daryl Williams. I'm so confident I'll beat Daryl so, Williams. So I'm going to turn it around and I'm going to play the role of if someone came to me and said, yeah, who wants to fight your guy? Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it and I'm like, yeah, boxes, got an amateur record. He's got this, he's got that. He can't show me that he's going to that dark place in round eight, round nine, round 10, maybe even beyond. So as a trainer, I'm looking like, if I've got a guy here mm -hmm. who's been in the trenches, I'm like, look, whatever we lack in terms of brains and skill, we just need to take him to a place he hasn't been before. And I'm not saying you don't have that in you. Yeah, what, what, what I'm saying is, is that in the plan to say, actually, do you know what? I need a fight that's going to take me into round eight, nine, where I have to look at myself and go, have I still got it in me to keep going? Um, so I'm a realist and going back to Lawrence so he's had those fights Chamberlain Watkins perceived to be dangerous <laughs> fights beforehand yep. but our coach Brian O'Shaughnessy, who I think is legend soon is going to start getting all the credit he deserves in boxing Yep, I believe in him wholeheartedly and when Brian says you'll beat this person I believe I'll beat them so even the Chamberlain and the Watkins fights well Chamberlain fight didn't go the way we expected it to, to. we actually expected it to go the way the Watkins fight went but the Watkins fight again, went exactly how we expected it to go. And it's a similar thing. So before I mention anyone's name, because I've even mentioned Dignam and um, Zach Chelly before. And before I mention any of these names publicly, I usually mention them to Brian. And if Brian goes to me, yeah, I'll have that. Then that's it. I'm having that. So are there um, ones that you've mentioned to Brian where he's gone, leave that for now. We'll pick that up in a year. Well, no, that hasn't happened. But I think also because I'm a realist, as much as I want, I'm ambitious and I want to get things cracking... Um, I'm not going to go to Brian and be like, oh, do you reckon I could fight Callum Smith? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yep, so I'll sort it out for next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> mate, 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 stay on weight, right? Just stay on weight this summer. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sensible with it as well. So initially, I believe I'm prepared for the fight. And then I ask him and then he confirms it. And if at any point I go to him with a fight I'm not ready for, I'm confident that he will say to me, no, chill out, wait, wait, yeah. wait a little bit. There's certain things we need to do. And um, to answer what Terry was saying um, about going into the trenches, um, I've never had a war in a fight and I've I've only had a handful of um, gym wars but I've done countless amounts of rounds and I've done them good and Brian's seen that so if he's saying I'm ready to do a 10, a 10 rounder then um, I know through sparring and Brian's confirmation that I'm prepared to do a 10 rounder but um, again with the Daryl thing um, obviously that will be a 10 rounder if it's for the English title should that come off um, I understand now, <laughs> partially after what you guys mentioned last week, that um, you know, I would need to do maybe a, an eight rounder or something, or a couple of eight rounds. But I was never calling him out to fight him on my third fight. Yeah, I was calling him out to try to build something that could be a great fight that on a show would 
end up being on BT rather than on televised. Does he know, know this? Well, if he's got good management, he'll be advised. No, 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 no. And, and, and the reason I say, I think I said it on the pod last week, you guys are going to see each other in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And less than two weeks. Yeah. And me being my with my sensible head on, which isn't very often, it would be good if there was some dialogue between mutual contacts. I said, listen, this is just to build up a fight. Just to make sure that when you see each other, you all understand. You all I, I, don't, I don't think there needs to be. I, like I said, just before you started saying that, if he's got a good management team, I'm sure they're aware of this. And what they would advise him is, actually, it's a benefit to you that this guy's calling you out because he's bringing more buzz around your name and there are benefits that you can benefit from as a result of it. Also, it opens up the or it opens up some sort of a narrative to you know some sort of a fun build up to a fight that everyone would want to watch at some point. So a good management team would tell him that and ask him not to do anything silly. But ultimately, wait, wait, you're laughing. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, is when I see him, if he decides to do anything silly, I'm prepared for that. And what will happen will happen. On on that note, I found a interview piece from and I'll read it verbatim who is this Umar Sadiq cunt (laughs) did he actually say that you don't have to guess who this is by by the way (laughs) because of the person I am I'm gonna bark back at it bite back at it but you know I'm gonna stop that now he can go and work that out for himself he's a fucking prick I've never met him (laughs) speaking from a position of authority then (laughs) I don't think he wants to meet me because I'm not the kind of person that'll accept that shit face to face he trains with a guy I know very well Dan Aziz I've known Dan for years we know his cousins and we're from the same sort of area. Dan knows what I'm like. I'll leave it at that. And I'll refer you back to my earlier point. Sometimes you need that dialogue that just says, listen, let's all be... You don't need to understand. I actually do not give a shit what threats he makes. Like You need to understand that. I'll come across respectful because I am. I'll come across well-calculated and well-carried and mannered and all the rest of it, but... Listen, don't never judge a book by its cover. Ah, the part you, you touch up those ribs. No, no, no. The, tr- <laughs> the, the truth is, the parts of my history that I don't publicize because I don't do things the normal way that everyone does. So the average boxer comes out from come from the ghetto. Boxing saved my life. Yada yada yada. The way I promote myself tells you I'm very original. So I'm not going to start knocking about my history or trying to p- um, paint a picture of myself in terms of something that I don't want to be. If you if you change, well, right, so if you um, if you hold on to something of yourself from before, then all you're doing is changing. What I am is a transformed individual because I've totally let go of something from my past. But without saying too much, like I said earlier to Terry, I would rather it doesn't come to it. I would rather he has a professional team who advises him well. I would rather he respects and appreciates the boxing license that he has and the fact that he finally has some momentum and what I'm bringing to him is value. But should I see him and decides to take things another way, I'm totally prepared for it. And what will be, will be. This and is where I'm at. what you made. Ladies so and like, gentlemen, and that is fight talk. There you go. That's <laughs> new age boxing. No, no, uh, but, but literally as in the noun fight yeah. talk. So look, <laughs> I think what, what we need to make clear is A, Nobody wants to see anything happen or not see anything happen as in like it happens in the darkness. Oh, I don't backstage. know, you just did stir the shit pot there, Martin, by reading out the interview, but no drama. No, 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 you no, can I find that yourself. <laughs> I, no, I don't take that to heart because 
I know that I called him out first. But if I just came out and went, oh, I would like to fight the English champion, Daryl Williams, do you think? Like, fuck you with a response. So, 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 I would like to, will Jimmy fix it for me? Who am I? He's not about anymore, mate. <laughs> So, he did some bad things. You're a bit old for him, Uma. <laughs> so obviously, I've, I've assessed his character and I've done something that I knew 100% he was going to bite back at. And after he bit, all I needed to, for, was for him to bite back so the dialogue's open. And after that, I was more than happy to drop that down and just engage in a conversation. Now it's open and let's do it. But what it was, was first he, he bit back in similar language to what um, Martin just read. And I was like, okay, cool. He re- he's responding in the only way he knows how. Take it on the chin, whatever. But he carried that rhetoric on and he kept churning it out and churning it out. And at one point or someday, um, but this is whilst I was in America as well. So I'm like walking into gyms, fighting anyone. I'm in like mad You know he mode. was in Vegas before you? Yeah, messing people up. That's cool. I'm not, I'm not in that kind of conversation. I just want the title. <laughs> but... You know, like I was, I was just at, ho- I was just in a hotel room one day, and I went on my Instagram, and he's talking, slap this person, do this to that person, this person's a pussy, and I was just like, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> so we went back and forth a little bit on my Instagram, and I slept over, and the next morning I woke up and I was like, actually, do you know what? I've got a lot of kids that follow me on social media. I'm trying to be, serve as a good example. Um, there are a lot of kids that actually come up to me and you know take pictures and all the rest of it. And I was just like, these kids are going to see that, and that's not the way. That's you give them ex- wads of money that you won on the Akoli fight. You just put it out the Range Rover window. Just pinkies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Make sure you film yourself doing it. Yeah. On the ground. But um, that's it. Yeah. So I, I woke up the next morning. I was like, actually, no, that's really not a good thing. So I deleted all of that. Um, you won't find it on my Instagram. But he's carried this thing on, and now I'm just off the thing of. A, I shouldn't have reacted in the way I did because then that's stooping down to that level. I'm a professional fighter. is a professional fighter. Let's do this thing properly. But like I said, and I'm not saying that because I'm afraid. People need to be clear about this. I'm not going to sit here and make threats. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the baddest man on the planet. All I'm saying is what will be will be if you decide to do things the same. There are two things I wanted to make clear out of it. One is that your aspiration isn't around fighting Daryl Williams it's around fighting for the English title exactly so should he lose it and I hope he doesn't so this is another thing he's fighting the same card I'm boxing at I want Daryl Williams to win that fight because he's on the Frank Warren should it happen towards the end of the year which was what I want is an easier fight to make if he's on the Daryl Williams yep. the, uh, with what's going on already is a, is, a, is a great fight to build and both of us can make good money and get good profiles out of it yeah and two is that um the public persona of Umar Sadiq is that of um, very, very different, intelligent, educated. But it's not to say there isn't a bad, well, dangerous... Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, We've got to remember that at the moment, this dialogue is relevant to this group of boxing fans, if that makes sense. So it's the people kind of who are around the circle. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that, and we go back to wrestling parlance again, Daryl's what they call a tweener, right? He's like a Randy Orton, whereby he has heel-like tendencies, but in his struggle, you know, the whole Dean Powell thing and how that affected his career, he's got, almost got face-like tendencies because people are like, actually, he's had it quite tough, disjointed. We just want to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Uma, who, who plays the baby face well, right? Mm-hmm. Might have some heelish characteristics. We don't know yet. And so you've got this dynamic and you've got to play it carefully because... What you don't want it to be is 
two people with face-like tendencies against each other because yeah. that's not going to draw. You need Daryl to be the full-on heel and you need the public to buy into that heel character and then you need Umar as the face. And it's when you get that tension, like Frotch Groves, it's when you had that tension mm -hmm. that the fans were like, I really, really need to see this. So, so And that requires, remember, so that requires thought. That's, those are chess moves. They, they always say Vince McMahon is thinking about fights a year hence, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. So everything he does links into that end objective and he never deviates unless the fans tell him something different. Yeah. Um, so with the, I get that. And like I said, I called him out English champion, um, not expecting to fight him in my third fight, but maybe in my fifth fight or something, which can happen towards the end of the year. Um, but it, it's the way that he's responded and the way he... Con so is it, like, if he just turned around where Umar's a cunt, don't know him, yada, 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 and all the rest of it, I'm like, cool, sweet, take that on the chin. Let's carry on. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But when he's making physical threats, it then makes it hard to play that game. You understand? And when Terry's saying things that phone him and, um, you know, or no, whatever, no, open that. a dialogue yeah. or whatever. So you need to understand that I can't be pigeonholed. Yeah, I'm polite and well-mannered mm -hmm. and like you're alluding to, I've got different facets about me. So there's a certain part of me that says, a man tells me he's going to slap me. I'm not trying to talk, communicate with you. You see me and you do that if that's what you decide you're going to do. But ultimately, let's just check this realistically, yeah? Who has more to lose should we both get in a fight outside the ring and both lose our license? The guy who went and took an electrician's course after retirement and didn't complete it and now needs boxing and finally has momentum or the guy who's also a model has businesses behind him and has business acumen that can continue and actually if all of that should fail can go back and get a comfortable accounting job till he serves his ban and comes back Aye. who has more to lose Aye. Aye. <laughs> exactly. See, but, but I so, can add wait, to this. Wait, wait. I can add to like, this. If he's going to be dumb enough to actually start what? something outside the ring, then that's on him. I don't have as much to lose as he does. The only thing I've got to lose is, all right, I'm 30 years old and I don't want to take any time out. But take that aside. If I got banned for six months or a year, fuck it. I'm, I'm not going to be out of pocket. My life is still going to be good. So, quick question. You guys have never, you've never crossed swords, have you? Like, no, no, no sparring, not been in the same gyms? The no, same we time. haven't. But like I said, my whole thing, call me whatever names you want. Do whatever you want to do. And all, belittle me as much as you want. Chad ah, Rendell was like, oh, man. you've had one fight. Get out of here. I didn't take it to heart. Like, his words is cool. But when you're threatening, I'm going to hit you when I see you, it takes it to a different ballpark. We're, I want to say where I'm from, we don't play that, but... <laughs> 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 Basically, all I'm saying is that's where the line gets crossed. And I just pray that someone on his side sees some common sense and speaks to him. Okay, so I, I'm not going to be a pushover. And I, he seems to... Oh, sorry, Andy. He seems to on. think I'm a pushover. Because on the comments, and when I went back and forth with him on Instagram, he made a comment about, oh, I bet you spoke like that in, um, in uni. And then um, on one, another interview, I saw him on recently. He was like, oh, this guy's dumb. He left accounting for boxing. You're stupid. It's like, well, accounting's not going to buy me the shit the boxing's about to buy me. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? but the point is, he's pigeonholed me into this, I don't know, suburban private school child who he can do with what, as he likes. Bro, do your homework. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to just stand here and let you slap me and be like, oh my God, he slapped me. Can I ask? When I was in primary school, I'm going off on one because this shit's pissing let him me off go. No, let him, I'm I, loving this. I, I, when I, I was in primary I, yeah, school, okay. I got told by all the adults around me, let the person hit you first before you get in a fight. Yeah? And I did that. Then I got to secondary school and I saw the first person getting hit, getting sparked out. And ever since then, 
I don't allow the person to hit me first. I'm just gonna leave it as that. Look, so here's what I'll say. Like I've I've known Daryl six years now. And I think I said it on the podcast. Daryl's very binary. Like there are no shades of grey with Daryl. So Daryl's the sort of guy that if someone said, Terry, you got kids, would you let them hang out with Daryl? Absolutely. Daryl, funny, engaging, this, that, and the third. But there's a certain that there's a certain line or a point that just triggers the other side. And then you just kind of go, um, I'm just gonna step back here and just leave it. Because he just he gets like that. And you you can what you can all you can ever do in those situations is try and be the voice of wisdom and go, listen, make the money. But you know, as I always say, grown men, grown men. Whatever happens, happens. Whatever but let's move away. I, hold on, I've got a question. Like when we when we when you just talk, like, can we watch? When we were talking <laughs> about that, then you can see that your emo- the um, you can see your emotions coming out there. Something changed. There's a yeah. There's a lot in you, and 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 I and I again to I reinforce the point that I am a casual. <laughs> I have no experience in the ring. I accept that's probably a useful asset moving forward. But do you think under the wrong circumstances, someone would be able to exploit that no. to make you do something through emotional discharge that could land you in a position that you would otherwise would be controlled to a point moving forward? But if someone pushes the right buttons with you, you'd lose it. No. If somebody who's a non-boxer threatens to hit me, I'll get a restraining order on them. I'm not afraid to snitch. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a road man. I don't claim to be. I don't try to be a bad boy. So, you know, that's what any upstanding member of the of society In, in some quarters, do. you get called a grass yeah. and... Yeah, they, they can say what they yeah, want. Yeah, but you were Ah, you just can't help yourself, but can you? No, no, I'll say that now, but it's true because I'm a professional fire. I'm, li- I'm a licensed fire. I take this serious. I commit my life to it. I left... Like what Daryl says, a good job to do this. So if someone outside of it is going to make certain threats to me, I'm going to deal with and it also properly. And also that's what adults so I can do. Continue. Yeah, that's what adults do. But if you are a boxer yourself and you've got a problem with me, let's take it to the ring. Can, but if, if you then decide to take it out, then I can't be held responsible so, for what no, happened. I, so I, here's, I, here's the thing, and hopefully now you understand what my life is like, right? Where I'll No, no, up. you start the shit. No, no, I don't. <laughs> no, no, the thing is, I don't though, right? If you notice that like, every every inflammatory tweet that I put out is always a question, right? It is always a oh, question. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah, no, no, but it is. It's a valid question. And then, you know, so you end up at these shows and people are like, yeah, he, he been talking shit. And I'm looking around. No, right? I said, no, 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 you're no, a dick, you. No, aren't you? No, it no, was no, a no, question. So, so, so I'll, I'll be in your call, right? And I'm, I'm there and I'm like, and... and you know, you, you revert back to your instincts. And I'm like, I just want to... And you're like, I'm going to bang him. That's what you say. And then you know, I look around, I go, there's, there's, there's Andy Brown. There's the rest of the SIA guys. I'm going to hit him once. I'm going to get thrown out. Never allowed back in your call. And then I've got to have that really horrible 30 seconds of just trying to take the sting out of this thing. And I'm like, I might have to take the But the difference here. is none of them have said to you, Terry, I'm going to hit you when I see you. Oh, no, 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 they have. up towards you. Oh, no, 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 they oh, have. Well, then, oh, they exactly have. And, and I say the same thing. I say, listen, Tuesday, Thursday evenings, Fitzroy Lodge. Got gloves, got everything. Just bring a gum shield. You really want to have a go at me? We've got two rings. There's space. You can pick whatever ring you want. We can do that. I can't do it anywhere else, but we can do that. And then suddenly people go, huh? Huh? then they get confused because I am more than happy anytime, any place. If you have a problem with me, come down and see me in that gym. And 
you know what I mean? Like when I've got all the guys I train watching, I have no choice but to perform. So you can come down and do whatever you want. But this this fighting outside thing, agree. If you've ever been arrested, you will know how stupid you feel sat in a cell going. It's the worst feeling ever. Okay, so I, 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 I but you wouldn't know. I take you back, <laughs> let's move away from to take, to take you back to what you said earlier. It's something about when you got into the ring on your second fight. You went out there, and the way you performed was because you wanted to give people a specific yeah. show. Are you? Do you feel like you're likely to, to do that again? With or, or would you, have you got and to tie that? And I could be matching two things completely wrong. Right. Wrong, but. If you will compromise your fight style for something that you perceive to be required from the crowd, could your fight style be compromised by someone getting to you emotionally? No. So like I said to you, with the Daryl thing, I have absolutely no trouble with anything he says. He can say whatever he wants. It's his opinion and that's okay. He's entitled to it. And this is one of the things, most of the times I don't even argue against people's opinions. I'm like, well, it's just a different perspective. So... He can say whatever he says. I don't mind. Like I said, my only problem is he's physically threatened me. I can't foresee that I'm going to go throughout my entire boxing career with every fighter trying to threaten to hit me because that's what's going to set me off balance. Yeah. Mm. Because even threatening to hit me, that's one thing. When I see you, you would have to make the actions towards hitting me. For if I feel, if I genuinely feel threatened, then I might react, but physically. But otherwise, I actually don't care what you say. Yeah. So I don't see anyone setting me up. So it's purely the nature of it being outside the ring. When it comes to any like, I'm, I'm going to lay him out in the ring or anything like that, you'd just be like, over your head. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, that's fine. You know, I expect you to believe in yourself. Otherwise, why are you in the sport? Yeah. Okay. Quick one. This is what I wanted to touch on. I've been in a lot of camps. Like I, I, like, I like to go and see guys in gyms in their natural habitat. And... Many have impressed me, but the two that always stick in my head are Boxer, the one that Don Charles runs, and when I came down to see you guys at Cool Box. Mm-hmm. You know when you go in and you go, this is a really good energy here, because you just see everyone feeding off each other. Because there's some gyms, and I, I maybe it's changed since you moved to the Peacock, where you can just see the segregation, and there's not that, that, that overlap. And you go... I don't think this is a great place. It's one of the things I've always sort of had an issue with about Miguel's. Miguel's doesn't feel like a collective. Mm-hmm. Whereas like when you come into, when you, when we used to, well, when I came into Coolbox, I was like, you know what? I could train here all day mm-hmm. because when it's time to be serious, it's serious. Mm-hmm. But then afterwards, the humor, you know, that release of humor, you know, like, actually you could come here every day and do your thing. Yeah. So how are you, how are you finding that? Cause you get to train as you, Lawrence, and Mohib Pazuldin, the ah. Flash. You know, so you got all you guys, all all different sizes, but I think in terms of mindset, you're kind of broadly similar. You both got that. No one's too serious, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, um, so I know a lot of people talk about the camaraderie in the gyms and the old friends and all the rest of it, and maybe they are. I don't know, um, but in our in our in relation to us, we are genuinely close. Like we've got an Instagram, um, uh, WhatsApp group that we chat in, you know, um, talk boxing stuff. Do you or see each other outside of the gym? Yeah, we do. Like we occasionally do things together and whatnot. Or other. Um, not necessarily like goes. Actually, wait, have I gone oh, cinema? Go Nando's because that's what boxing. Um, we, we would do random things at some points. Um, but we're very close, and in the gym, we're all very supportive of each other. And there's a gen- it's hard to articulate it, but there's a genuine love and um, positive willingness towards the other person's career that um, I think feeds into the way that we work together. And it's actually part of the reason why we t- often say to Brian, like, please be selective about who you bring into the gym. 
because another fighter that's coming in that could be great, but if they don't fit into the mold um, of the way that we are with each other, it can break the dynamic down. So, you know, we support each other, we share each other's stuff, we always buy tickets to each other's fights. Even when we have um, free access to the fights, we still buy tickets. Um, we give each other sound advice. We, did, we push each other when we're struggling in training. I think to evidence of some it. of this, because um, it's all good saying it, but like yeah. I was at a show supporting a lad from Milton Keynes, Connor Wright, uh, up in Bedford two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and Umar was there. So you were there. So yeah. you travelled up from London to Bedford, which is a good hour and 15, hour and 20, mm-hmm. on a Sunday evening. Well, Sunday afternoon, realistically, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, to go and support your gym, mate. Yeah. There aren't many gyms where you would get somebody who... It's not like you're going to be sparring with he, but imagine. No, we wouldn't. And, and actually, I went up with him. So I was with him for the whole day. I saw um, your video log on. Yeah. Was, and then... Uh, <laughs> Chatting with his kid, really. Umar Sadiq, top boxer on YouTube, checking them vlogs. Out I want to touch on this later. <laughs> but um, what's it? Yeah, so went up there with him. Dan would have dro- um, come up with us as well, but he was fighting very soon. So um, he just had to come in later on. Lawrence, you know, came later on as well because fu- he had a Watkins thing um, and all the rest of it. So yeah, like we fully do support each other and we're there for it. Like, it's more like a. I know a lot of people throw this word around a lot, family, but it is like a family. I don't throw it around loosely. It's even like bro. I try not to say bro because it's like it's so played out. Like it actually doesn't mean anything. Do you know what I mean? So um, yeah. Modeling. You said earlier about being a model. Well, you know how we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't seen much of it, but I've seen the Hay Club advert. Yeah. So there was the one with you and David Beckham. Yeah. Did you meet him? Obviously, I was on the same table as him. Nah, but I mean, I properly <laughs> meet him. Like, I realised you were you were in that same scene as him. Did like, you Did uh, you ask him what his daughter's teaching? <laughs> <laughs> well, the news didn't come out at the time. So, did you ask him how forty four went into twenty? <laughs> well, yeah, was, 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 was he there like? Was he like Umar? Umar got a bit of a sticky one here, mate. How would you What's deal with like? this? <laughs> 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 what What was he like? It's a, it's a shit whiskey. No, Be- Beckham's good. Like he's cool. Um, I wouldn't know what his whiskey tastes like because I don't drink. But um, but but no, Beckham was cool, man. He's like, well, to us, and obviously he could be putting on a facade, but to us, he was what you saw on camera, like a gentleman and nice and approachable and all the rest of it. Nice, open conversation. So that was good. What other modelling we talking? Um, oh god, I've I've done quite a lot. So. Um, but some of the more recent ones, does it, actually for the, for the Joshua Klitschko fight, there was a Lucasade advert, and I'm in it for half of it, playing as a 19 year old Joshua. Oh yeah, yeah. Hashtag my genetics. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute, how, how old's Joshua? Like 27, 28. You're older than Joshua. Yeah, how did you play the 19 year old Joshua? I just got that young buddy, man. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're getting picked up if you buy Lucasade. Now. How much of a, an ego boost would that have been? We need you to play a younger version than him. Yeah, but he's younger than me. Yeah, we know. <laughs> and know. you are going to play a younger version the, than him. The biggest ego piece was I done a talk at a school recently and there was a and a time and one of the kids asked, oh, sorry, like, how old are you? And I went, 30. And the whole room went, <gasps> I, I was like, yeah. Imagine, <laughs> imagine they going, oh, you my dad. Yeah, no, but wait, but then, nah, but then I asked, how old do you think I am? And oh. a lot of them were saying, oh, probably like 20, 21, 19. I was like, yeah, you lot of my Jesus. Is this a school for the blind? No, it's a school for the <laughs> visual. <laughs> the visually impaired. Well, it, 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 apparently it was a private school, right? Because that's all I <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't set foot in a state school. <laughs> Ugh. 
<laughs> you know, peasants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well Shanking said, Uma. Shanking <laughs> each other, I believe is what they call it. <laughs> Shanking. <laughs> Full of statistics. <laughs> um, the vlog. Yeah. So it comes out every other Sunday. What inspired it? Because for people that haven't seen it yet, go and see it. YouTubers, Uma plugged it. But what it is, a little bit different. That it's very raw footage. I'll explain this for Andy because I'm taking a punt. You've never why seen Andy it. Andy, not watching my vlogs. Of course, I have. But for those people who haven't, <laughs> why don't we dive in with a bit so more you've descriptive got, um, terms? Umar your best goes place, round, and he yeah. goes around just living his life. Oh shit! That reminds me. Keep going. Keep going. I'm just going to record a piece of the vlog whilst you're speaking. Oh, Andy, okay. you're going to be in one. You've never even watched it. Of course, I have. No, I'm going to keep the camera away from him. <laughs> Skip up. You can edit him out. Wait, wait, let me just breathe. Yo. In. Oh wow! We're in the house. So we're <laughs> live recording. This is double live. Double live. We're in Michaela's house. <laughs> is this the, is this the one for Warren? Is this going? <laughs> is this FaceTime? This is what it looks like. This is the setup for the new age boxing. Oh, you're snitching. Um, you grass. You grass. Out there, guys. This is what it looks like. Oh mate, it's from the top down, this, isn't this it? This is what the mouthy guy called Terry looks like. <laughs> 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 if you, ca- you might catch him at York Hall. <laughs> Billy Nelson again. Shout out Andy Clark. Andy Clark! Got his name wrong. Amazing. No, no, he's Andy Clark. He's the guy that does the NTK commentary. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Shout out Andy White. Scrounging off Michaela. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. I've got Martin Fiobold in the house. That's my Brad Paul's t-shirt. <laughs> Brad Paul's t-shirt. Is he promoted by um... Steve Goodwin? Oh, right. Okay, cool. So Steve Goodwin's left-hand man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so we're out here. just been recording the um, weekly podcast for this week. And um, Classic. They've been asking me some questions um, that might end up getting one of them punched in a bit. But <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure to have Umar on. Make sure you're following. Yeah. Make sure you do that. Wait a minute, so, this is still being recorded. It is indeed. So I yeah, but I think that'll be fascinating for people to log on to the uh, they can play him in sync. Yeah, and, and watch and it. Of us talking about the vlog. <laughs> so we're, we've recorded work far more worthless Andy, minutes and a half. Andy, <laughs> to now put that in context, that won't be his video log. Right, right. So what he does, Umar goes around and he records his day-to-day life on his phone. In selfie mode for the majority. Yeah. Um, so there was one shopping the other day. Yeah. Uh, there was one movie we met up in Bedford. There's stuff on the Grand Canyon in Vegas, in gyms, etc. So there's all the stuff that you see that you don't see was from a box one. one. Um, the Bixar one didn't make the final cut, sorry. But this one would... Oh, no, no, I didn't. I know I'm not watching this one. <laughs> well, you weren't watching it anyway. That's uh, why I didn't make the cut. No, this <laughs> one, uh, The no. YouTube algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> I was on fire. You know, I was on fire that day, mate. Like, I, I'd, I'd heard just there sliding away from me. I tried to grab Eddie Hearn. He's like, <laughs> so this is all the stuff that goes on for boxers that you don't see. So you know all the, the IFL interviews or the press releases that you get? That's all about the boxer. So what Umar's doing is about the person. Mm-hmm. which is such a different approach to take. And it's it's almost illogical that nobody's done it before. Yeah. But you've taken that step and you're doing it. But it's the raw footage. So it'll be the raw footage off a phone in selfie mode. But then Andy at SSM has the video wizardry to be able to edit it. And actually, like, um, in the same way that people won't see that Andy White here does the editing of a podcast, and he's learned it all himself, I think Andy <laughs> at SSM has 
self-taught. So he's taken raw footage and turns it into something that actually looks like a fairly professional product. And it's a really interesting watch because they're short and succinct things. They're like 15, 20 minutes. No, even that, 10 10 minutes or less. Yeah, Yeah. Um, of which I I don't know how many, you must do like an hour's worth of recording during a week. Not like Terry didn't make the cars. (laughs) Yeah. No, but basically I do a lot of recording. It all depends on what fits with the edit. So he does chop a lot of things up. But I do literally go around just recording things. So was Andy that cut me out? Um, I might have not sent him the footage. At Umar's request. It needs to look professional, Terry. That's, <laughs> a, that's the next step for me. You, you trying get to filled make in this on the look. steps of your call by Billy Nelson. <laughs> no chance. <Never. laughs> so yeah, people should check that out. But anyway, who inspired that? Was it you? Was it Andy? Was it, it was me? So um, about what year are we now? So about four years ago, thereabouts, four to five years ago, um, I started traveling quite a bit. So I went, you know, Nicaragua did some charity work, which is where I started picking up Spanish, actually. Um, and then, like, 2014, I went backpacking through Southeast Asia and whatnot, went to Australia and all the rest of it. But when I was doing all that, I thought it would be a great idea to um, vlog my experience and share it with people to show people how easy it could be to travel alone and, you know, to do the actual backpacking thing. Because I grew up thinking backpacking was people just getting a backpack and hiking. Hippies. Dickheads yeah. with a guitar. <laughs> you know I mean? And then you get there and you realise... I'm, I saw that guy at the same place. I saw that. <laughs> Wait a minute. Everyone's going the same way I'm going. That happens a lot. Especially yeah, South Southeast yeah. Asia. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so I, I was vlogging through that um, to share the experience and, you know, try to inspire more people to travel because I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, so I, I had the experience from doing it then. And when I decided to start boxing again, or turn professional, really, I should say, I wanted to do it with boxing because I thought there's an interest inside to boxing that doesn't get shown mm. unless there's a documentary being done on somebody. But when I first turned over, so last year, um, there was so much that was new to me with boxing that I felt like it wasn't a time to start being distracted with, you know, having to record things and get someone to edit and all the rest of it. But it played out over time that I got more comfortable with um, managing my time and how I do things. And luckily, Andrew SSM has the editing ability. And so, you know, I have the privilege <coughs> of just recording things and sending to him to edit. And that's not to say I get everything in because a lot of times I'd rather just enjoy a moment than try to record it. But, you know, I do what I can and um, it's good to hear good feedback about it. SSM, by the way, I want to touch it. It's not to kiss anyone's ass or anything like that, but they do a superb job with you from what I see. Um, So stuff like your second fight where you were booked into a hotel at York Court. and I've I've booked into a hotel every fight. Yeah, so you live... In the London area, right? Yeah. So many, 99% of boxers won't have been booked into a hotel the night before the fight. <laughs> but I'm guessing, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing it's to get you into that mindset of this is what a world champion would be doing, is to segregate themselves and get into fight mode in the hotel yeah. that night before. It's so, an all-rounder, yeah. So that's part of it. And another side of it also is just to be away from the distractions of home. Yep. To minimising the chances of anything, any anomalies um, popping up. But also just so that, you know, I'm focused, like you said, I know that I'm fighting, I'm away from a natural environment and I'm here because, oh, for the purpose of boxing and um, this is what I'm going to do. And also, you know, the day, all being well, when you get that British title fight up in Manchester or that world title fight at the O2, say, one of those scenarios, for some fighters, that might be the first time they've had to go and stay away. Right. you know, the night before a fight or whatever, yeah. because they've always just fought relatively local. Yeah. So that experience will be different to what their their other 9, 10, 11 fights have been. Definitely. So for you 
to have that experience already, that routine of going through the motions. I just think little nuances like that are very, very smart moves from a very forward-thinking management. Have you mm-hmm. got the thingy? Have you got the hide-and-sleep bed? What's uh, that? Having all the... Has Lawrence got one? I think... What's a hide-and-sleep bed? Ah, uh, so... Does Lawrence have a bigger bed than everybody in well, the world? Well, so, so this is the thing with... No, this is the thing with hide-and-sleep. So I think they, they sponsor... Well, they're a partner of AJ Boxing. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Lawrence and Boetsy both got um, so, beds from them. Yeah, essentially, these are like beds... <laughs> It's a whole Olympic thing of you need to have a consistent sleeping experience. Yeah. So they, I don't know if they, I don't know if they have like a topper that they can take with them when they travel or something like that. But essentially, you get the bed. So that's like, look, this is what you're going to sleep in. It's mm-hmm. designed for you to be comfortable, molded to your body. I don't know how they do it when they're on the road. I don't know if they have like a mattress topper that replicates that. But I thought that was, that was also quite interesting. Because mm. one of the challenges with hotels, I speak as someone who virtually lives in hotels, is. I didn't realise this till I picked this up. Andy, I hope you're not filming me. No. Thank you. You texting Michaela? No, I'm looking for hide and sleep mattresses because you brought texting, them up. He's texting Michaela. Sorry, we Can are I get in the room money? for too long. <laughs> they are going to leave shortly. I'll, I'll, I'll pay you for the other hour's rent on this room, Michaela. <laughs> no, no, so, so Nessus. So Nessus. I will ask. Delete, delete, delete. Ah. I, I will beg. <laughs> so, 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 so there's this thing. Well, it's a theory at the moment that when you stay in a hotel, your body doesn't fully shut down because it's an unfamiliar environment. So it does that kind of military-style sleeping where various parts of the brain will shut off yeah. almost in sequence. And what they were saying actually was, if you're away traveling, either stay in the same chain of hotels and make sure they have the same beds or stay in the same hotel in that city, which right. is what I've started to do now. And right. what I found actually is my quality of sleep has improved. Right. Because... Like my, I mean, you open up a double tree, for example, and you're like, bed's over there, this is over here. I know what the bed feels like, I know what the pillows feel yeah. like, and it's all those small things that I think as a trainer, that was my big evolution. Was I can get you lifting heavy, I can get you running mile after mile, but actually, if I can start taking away some of the points of friction in your life, mm-hmm. I might get twenty percent extra performance for not that much effort. Yeah, and that's something for just boxers out there to realize find all the points of friction in your life and if you can solve those and remove those just see how different your performance is right let's i mean we are two hours and 27 minutes in let's wrap it wow. up wow we still haven't Kayla talked about up. crawford horn or charlo oh, versus trout um i could summarize like crawford special probably not probably too good for spence right now ask me in a year's time you might not that? be the same thing i think right now he's too Crawford's too streetwise for Errol Spence. I think Spence is great at bombing people out at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I was watching Crawford was so he's so streetwise. Like he was, he said he hit Horn with like three left hooks in rapid succession, and I'm like, how are you doing that? Josh and Kelly can tell you. <laughs> not, 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 not at that level though, sadly. But, but you know, Crawford goes into this. I'm the smaller, supposedly the smaller man, not as strong as Horn. Horn's an Australian, so you know, you know, what I mean, you know, some shady business happens in the outback. Juiced off is not, and all, all that sort of stuff, right? And Crawford goes in, and okay, he does what he normally does. First couple of rounds, you kind of think, oh, this could be competitive. You know, when Crawford gets hit a few times while he's trying to figure you out. But there was a point where he just snapped into it and he got his range because he, he stayed southpaw pretty much for the whole fight. Got his range and he knew there was a home for the left uppercut, the left hook and the straight left and just kept hammering Horn. Like it was, it was brilliant. And in my head, I was thinking, what would Spence be doing in this situation? 
Now, I don't think Spence makes those minute adjustments that Crawford does, which is a legacy because they're about the same age, right? Oh, shit. That's me <laughs> so, so they're about, the, they're about the same age. You're never going to be a ninja, mate. <laughs> Why didn't you move the Why didn't you move the microphone? So, 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 I think they're about the same age. And I think Crawford turned pro slightly before Spence did, right? I would have thought he was pro for much longer than that because he didn't go the Olympic route. No, he didn't. Because I remember watching Crawford from when he had long hair. Yeah, and he fought. Who was it? He fought. Was it Garcia? He fought in the Ams, like the Golden Gloves, and that's that's the where those two have attention from. Right. So then he flipped over. He didn't go the Olympic route, whereas Spence did. Mm-hmm. And so watching them now, I think Spence is almost playing catch up because Crawford's had that that seasoning that Spence hasn't quite had yet. Right. So I think right now, if they fought, Crawford's probably the favorite just based on that nous and having done it on the big stage so more times. I, I have to ask because. I didn't get to watch the fight. Yeah. Um, I was going to watch it today, but obviously training prevails and so does New Age Boxing Podcast. Naturally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna Thank you very much. Up. Yeah. But, um, so I know that Crawford's skilled, but how strong did he look against? He wasn't, um, he wasn't, mo- Horn wasn't moving him. You, you, know, you know that weird thing of where the guy's just there, mm. you know, that's that just, no, nah, you're not moving me. And that was it looked like that was what Crawford wanted to show I'm the stronger man in here yeah. so basically it's good. the reason I ask that is so long as Crawford is genuinely strong enough to be out welterweight then I think he beats all of them he's a legit 147 now I think right. and he's only going to grow into that now now that you know he's yeah. done it he's going to probably just solidify that weight now I probably wouldn't want him to go up a level I think 147 is good for Crawford yeah. and I think he he gives everyone trouble apart from the almost like the giants of the division. So your Thurmans and your Spencers, who've just got those pounding yeah, shots. But if he grows into it, then... True. Uh, Crawford, do you have anything to say about Crawford? No, Crawford? I just noticed you've got Loveheart-scented Carex hand wash in your, in your bathroom. Well, next to- we like to broadcast our love. You our- didn't even have taps at your house. This is such an upgrade. <laughs> We used to wash our hands in the river. Wait, but then fair, I found guys, love. For all the listeners, I walked in and the first thing I said was, wow, Andy's got a nice gaff." But then I was quickly reminded. <laughs> 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 Andy's scrounging in that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a scrounging kept man. <laughs> um, and my friends aren't shy about reminding me. Of <laughs> Don't use friends so loosely. <laughs> yeah, my these random acquaintances... <laughs> That I set up their podcast for them. <laughs> the, the guy that got Andy friends and a band. Remember who we are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got a lot to thank you guys for. Now, do we need to touch on Charlo against Trout as well? Uh, I watched a little bit. Yeah. I, I, look, to be honest, after Charlo did the lion head yeah. thing, obviously, I was okay. sold. <laughs> I was sold. That was just me. I was just, do you know what? The first time I saw it, I was like, no, nah, that can't be a lion head he's got on. And then I just thought, there are ne- there are different there are, the Charles are a different. What was so impressive about it? He looked like he just stepped off Broadway. Yeah, <laughs> like straight out the musical into a <laughs> boxing ring. Yeah, they've got that same between them, the brothers. Lines only. Yeah, so, yeah. I, it's it's that it's that mad like you know when you think either those guys are just blessed with twice as much testosterone as everyone else, or they're juicy. But it's that yeah, it's this really crazy deep voice, and you're like. <laughs> 
that's actually quite intimidating. No, there's definitely something about the energy because um yeah, like being with them live, you feel the energy as well. It's just everything they do. They can say something so simple but make it sound so WWE. I had a pizza, <laughs> <laughs> three toppings. <laughs> Kerex love, love hard hand wash. <laughs> What's mad though, right? And I agree because they are bundles of charisma. They can fight. They're entertaining. Neither of them has ever headlined a card. Yeah, and um, Jam was it Jamel was talking about that on an interview recently, and he was like, "Look, our time's coming. There are only so many opponents that there are out there for us to box before we have to be headlining." And but it uh, it does, you know, we kind of like to give uh, praise and take it away, but. When Hearn says about how he could make a difference in America, you'd have to think if Hearn had those two under his wing, he would headlining. have he they, would have had them headlining mate, two fights ago, nah, three fights ago. They'd be fighting Anthony Fowler, right? Please. Jamel's just fought Austin Trout. Hearn would have had him fighting Eggington, and he would have told us Eggington could beat Trout because he's younger. That's it. And we'd have all been like, yep, I'm paying for that on pay-per-view. Hearn's going to encounter that problem. Like, you think Austin Trout of all the people that don't have a belt, he's one of the three people where you're like, he could probably be a world champion still. So that's a hard fight for Jamel. And also his brother had been there before. So there's also that thing of, can I top up my brother? Okay, I'm, I'm not saying that's not the case at all. I'm not saying that's not the case at yeah. all. What I'm saying is, promotionally, he would have been handed a different set of cards. He would have been built a lot better. Um, people would know a lot more outside of boxing circles. Well, Who are these two twins? Well, no, because no, no. they're we twins. Would, right? we, no, no, we would. The Americans wouldn't necessarily, if you see what I mean. So I think there's there's almost like a we look at it from a British perspective. Yeah. But I think maybe in America, the Charlos, in terms of share of voice, are kind of where they are. Because until Jamal fights someone like a Golovkin at 160 or Danny Jacobs, he'll headline if he fights a Danny Jacobs, right? And if Jamel unifies at 154, you imagine he will also headline. Headline, yeah. But I think it, the Americans are like that. Like, you can't just headline. I think we're used to it here where, hey, Bell, you can headline. Yeah, the, the, like, Amer what? the American fight fans are a lot harsher. Um, but also, a lot of British fans, I find, forget that Britain's a small island. And America is... Every state in America, pretty much, is bigger than the yeah. entire Britain. Do you know what I mean? So when they say things like, oh, this person's not famous in America, it's like, well, you go and try to be famous in <laughs> <North> America. <laughs> do you know what I mean? What you're, what you're locking down here is essentially a state in America, not even that, because a lot of people are just locking down cities. Do you think so, Do you think that will be... Do you think that's a challenge Eddie Hearn can overcome? Um, it'll be interesting to see, but the differences from state to state are so vast... And it's not only because I've been there recently, it's because I was born and raised in Nigeria, so I understand what the differences between states can be. Um, so when you have a country that deals with states, literally going from one state to another could be like going to another country. And I think a lot of British people find that hard to understand because we do counties here. So like, why are they not big in the entire country? <laughs> like, well, for starters, they've even got different laws in different states. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, like, it's, a whole it's a totally different thing. So the ballpark's different. I think Hearn has potential to do well there. Can, I, I, think can I hit the Nigeria thing really quickly? Go on. Um, were you born there? I was born in Nigeria, yeah. What age did you move over? 12. Because there's a few, right? There's um, Linus Yudofia, mm -hmm. born in Nigeria, moved over. Anthony Joshua, of course. Wasn't Joshua born here? He was born. I thought he was born here and then went over there for a bit. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, yeah. Either way, but like he was, yeah. he's a proud Nigerian man. Yeah. But like Terry touches on this quite often about the conflict, if you like, in terms of how he's handled um, his religious side, his... 
the Nigerian side, if he came out as big and more Nigerian, then he may not have all of the backing of the mm-hmm. British fans. Is there ever anything that comes to your mind? No, my whole thing's about being honest. It's much easier. You use a lot less energy being honest. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to cover tracks when yeah, you've gone. So my whole thing's about being honest, and which is part of the reason why I say you can't pigeonhole me because I'm a natural human being. Some days I feel one way, other ways I feel another. I, mean, I have different moods. But ultimately, I am Nigerian and I was born here. I'm not going to disown my country. And there's not a thing of art, oh, honour, and I'm doing it for the honour of my country and, you know, all of this stuff that the elites make us believe to keep us down to where we are without getting too deep. But um, it's just because if I feel like I want to commend my, my birth country, then why can I not? And if anyone's got a problem with that, then, you know, they need to check themselves. But you don't, you don't let it define you. No, no. So, I, I, so think that's a, instance, I think that's what most people feel, right? I for suppose. instance, you're talking about fighting for the English title. Yeah, like, it, I'm not. Yeah, rather than the Nigerian title, but the English title is what makes most. And sense And it's not to, me to right disrespect now. the Nigerian title. It's the fact that you've got a career that you're building in England, where yeah. you've lived since the age of 12, 18 yeah. years. You've lived more years in England than Nigeria. Yeah. But that's always going to be your birthplace. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you would love to win a world title over here in front of a massive crowd and mm-hmm. take it back to Nigeria. Yeah, that would be great. Um, and that would only probably happen after I've been a world title because Nigerians have a funny way of um, waiting. So there's a story, right? Larry Akundayo, yep. another Nigerian oh, fighter. Brilliant fighter. Larry, yeah, man. brilliant fighter. He's fighting in, um, an NTT He's fighting John Fain, isn't he? 13th. John yeah. Fain at your call. So, um, he's, so he, his manager was at a party. Um, it was a Nigerian party, it turned out to be. And um, he was talking to these guys who were going on about how much they love boxing. So he's like, oh, you love boxing so much. Like, Larry's a boxer. Like, you should come watch him in a few weeks. And the guy was like, oh, he's fighting in a few weeks. And the manager goes, yeah. And he goes, ah, um, actually, nah. And the manager goes, but I thought you loved boxing. And he goes, yeah, but he's not big yet. No. Uh, yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> and that's just, and I'm not trying to, like, rip the country to shreds, but that's just the mentality of the people. But, but, you know what? So, it's, it's, and, and I'm going to inject that into one of the theories that the Grey Suit Tracksuit Brigade normally like to bring up. Here we go. No, no, not today. Coincidentally, I'm actually wearing a grey tracksuit today. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out Lyle and Scott, who I've also modelled for. And I still do, so, yeah. No, so... (laughs) It's a a very nice tracksuit. Thank you. So, 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 Lyle and Scott, shout out. So, very often, they always say, they they always say black fighters don't shift tickets. But... I beg to differ. No, 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 but but it's the general perception. You know, know. I I sold more tickets than all the white fighters on my last... Um, show especially on my day fair one and also I I just want to quickly touch on this sorry Terry to take your fund I was chatting with Umar the other week we were talking about volumes of tickets values of tickets and Umar had a very refreshing and well thought out plan around ticket selling and how to not necessarily sell £140 tickets but how you do it to the highest value lowest number required again something different that a lot of fighters don't appreciate Terry carry on so you have this perception I I don't buy it because I genuinely think if you want to watch someone, you'll pay to watch him. But there is a thing, echoing your Nigerian thing of, you'll go to the debut, you'll sack off the next six or seven fights. If there's a belt at the end of that line, you'll jump back in. And then you're like, all right, I'm going to jump back out again because these are much of the same. Whereas I think like, I'll go back to Wednesday night. Those guys that follow Paulie Upton, They've been at every fight and they sing the same song and they bang the same drum. And I'm like, you must have been to some shit fights as well. I've been at most of their fights. Most of them were shit. Yeah, and it is literally. 
is Paulie, is Paulie, is Paulie. His oh, second Paulie name is Lockton. And then it's the drums. They shut down Did your they have walk. the six foot leprechaun there? Oh, mate, I didn't even... <laughs> six foot... But every six foot leprechaun that comes along with them. But, but, Fair play to them. But, but it's that thing, whereas when you sit in a barbershop or when you're sat having drinks, the amount of boxing that gets talked, and I'm like, these guys are really passionate about boxing, but just not that kind of... Oh, that bridge between debut and first title. They're like, ah, no. Let me, let me, I'll, I'll get back involved at this point. And I think that's probably something that people should tackle. I try and tackle it in my gym where I talk to guys and I say, no, you got to get behind Jermaine Brown now because he was in our gym training with us. He's one of us. Most of them do it when it's cool. So the, a lot of times people want to go to boxing events because it's the current... On a wave. It's a current affair. Yeah, on a wave. Current affair event. And um, unless it's that and there's a, you know, that big buzz about it and you're cool if you've got a ticket to go, a lot of people are just like, no, I'll watch it on TV or I'll find out what happened after. Um, which is a shame, but... Um, I'm off the mindset of don't try to change the game, just play it. So rather than moan about it, I'll just work around it, which is why I still do good numbers. Good. Yeah, I mean, we are in an age, whether you like it or not, of celebrity. And if someone's famous, and clearly you can't pigeonhole everyone. But there there are people, yeah. Well, that's a perfect example of it. If you are famous, you can... Look at these people that are on Love Island. And they make, there's a, the guy, the guy last year apparently had made um, my, actually I work with a guy who knows a guy on it. And he said, the bloke's getting five grand to turn up at a nightclub. I mean. To shout on a microphone. I'm not entirely sure uh, I believe five grand. Basis. You know a guy who knows a guy whose dog used to fuck <laughs> another dog who belongs to a guy who met them <laughs> no, once. I can believe that. I can okay. believe that. You, yeah, you're, you're, you're getting something oh, wait, in the thousands. It's not, I, didn't, I didn't say you got given uh, Tutankhamun's head, did I? He's got five grand <laughs> nah, to turn up. Nah, 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 nah. nah, nah wait, five so grand, mate. I'll tell you why. No chance. Be- before, so back in the day, I used to actually manage a music group and one of the things I need, I had to do was get... Just um, drop that in. Yeah, just drop that in. I used to get them gigs at... Um, can you help Andy? So, yeah. <laughs> no, no one can help us, mate. <laughs> the Milton Keys mark is a bit harsh, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, shit um, bands. Yeah, so five, <laughs> five grand for someone from Love Even Island worse, is terrible. Not really? So you do no. club nights and that? Yeah. Okay. Please tell me it was Blazing Squad. Meet you at the crossroads, crossroads, crossroads. Meet you at the crossroads, crossroads. You will be lonely. <laughs> If Come I on, we could harmonise. Who might would have had us in London on fucking Saturday night? All ground the pop. <laughs> Who me. are these guys? Just tell them we're a blazing squad, but we got old and fat. <laughs> that could actually run. You ever heard of Charles <laughs> and Eddie? Do you know what's <laughs> really what they look like now? Do you know what's really weird? So they don't look like them. Yeah, pr- so, uh, problems so, so or something. Like pliers, right? <laughs> no, so a girl I went to university with, her dad actually did manage the blazing squad. <laughs> Like, like, this is true. Fuck this is true. Um, <laughs> Mackenzie, what's he up to? <sighs> it was, and the weird thing was, because I asked this question, I said, mate, there were about 50 people in the video. Yeah. How do you split the royalties? And he said something like, what we're really trying to do is find them careers beyond the Blazing Squad, which is basically <laughs> like they're not making any money. Although I am, because he had, he had like a, like a DSL AMG. And his, what was his number plate? It was like, because Nicky's was SLR 90. His was like was MLR 90. It said Crossroads or something. <laughs> it was, it was CRO 55. <laughs> no, just, 
but goes to show boxing, like the music industry, it's a cruel sport where yeah. it seems everyone who's not executing is making money. You know, it's rare you hear about promoters struggling. You know, you're like, there's not many hard luck stories among promoters. Mick Hennessy. <laughs> <laughs> I actually feel for Mick out of all of them. Mick, no, like, I, I think he's probably just not broke yet because he's made all this he's money. He's trying over the years. so hard to go broke and he's just not managed it. <laughs> there's quite like, um, when it comes to like the, the comic book, um, like you com- comic characters. I oh, know, Martin, you're a massive fan of uh, comic books. No, dog but you look at some of the famous comic book characters and they were. Basically, when comic books were nothing, they were created by writers and animators for the comic book companies who then owned the rights to those characters, oh. who subsequently sold them for millions of do- dollars or whatever. And the guys were in... They were, and sometimes those animators and people who created them were living in squalor where they couldn't... So, and so a famous quote from one of the guys was, if I was ever going to do it again, I'd rather be an exploiter than a creator because it's the exploiters that make the money. Yeah. And it's a perfect example. With, like you say, with boxers or with that guy there. Well, I don't have an issue with... I, I, <laughs> Umar, correct me right on this one, but I'm going to put forward the argument. I see it often. Um, Tyler Goodjohn is one. and He made his bare knuckle boxing debut last night. Congratulations, Tyler. Lovely bloke. But he always complains about um boxers turn up for fights in like a, a clapped out metro or whatever which isn't the case for you i'm a, um, i've seen your car mm-hmm. boxers turn up in a clapped out old car promoter turns up in a bentley mm-hmm. and i think right well what's your problem because ultimately somebody has to finance this from the off so somebody has to have the upfront capital to hire out the o2 yeah like straight away you're talking i don't know 150 grand Someone has to pay the security, the medical, the production costs, all that stuff. So I get where Tyler's coming from. He's the one who's getting punched in the face, etc., etc. But unless you've got 500 grand to put up <laughs> to do that, then at the end of the day, if Eddie Hearn didn't do that, if Frank Warren didn't do that, then you guys wouldn't have a job at all. They wouldn't exactly that. So I think there's a big misconception in boxing where um, a lot of fighters are like, well, the promoter's supposed to promote the fighter. And it's like, okay, cool, within reason. But ultimately, the promoter's job is to provide a platform for the fighter, which includes things like booking at the O2 and getting security and all the rest of it. Now, when the promoter puts that, um, creates that platform, in essence, they're creating an event, they need to then try to sell that event out. So if you're a high market name, of course, they're going to use your name, not because they're trying to promote you more. Well, that's obviously part of it, but the, the, and, it, and it's ground level or from the root. It's because they're trying to drive more sales into the yeah. show so they can make the money it's back. It's effort versus yeah. reward. Exactly. So it's you the, as the fighter and your team management, which mine do a great job in, um, <laughs> is the onus is then on you to go out of your way to give as much as you can to then get something back in return. So in terms of what you do to self-promote, get yourself out there and all the rest of it, because then, and obviously ultimately your performance is what speaks the loudest. Um, And then, you know, once you get to a certain level and when your name is then drawing a certain crowd, the promoter can then use your name to sell the event, which means you're getting that extra exposure you're talking about. I'm going to say something and (coughs) I get shouted on every time I say this, but one of the big challenges you have in boxing is people refuse to reveal purses. And I know, you know, Hearn has basically made the concept of a purse irrelevant now by basically lying about shit. But when you have information about what everyone's earning, that information traditionally helps drive prices upwards. 
And I think that's always going to be that's always going to benefit the boxer. And I know people say, why should you know what they earn? Valid question. But if you say to a boxer, look, if everyone just made purses public, you'd know if you're getting shafted or not. I think in that fog of lack of knowledge, promoters tend to, that's where they tend to make their money. I, I think you're saying that assuming that the boxer doesn't have a management team. And if they don't have, an, they don't have a good management team, then that's the boxer's fault. Because your management team should know if you're getting shafted or not. Well, but ultimately, sorry, if you start disclosing purses, it's a dangerous thing because all of a sudden the prices go high ridiculously and then you get a lot of fighters who are deluded about their profile and their ability and they'll just be like, well, I'm not boxing unless I get what this actually good fighter with a great profile is getting. Then you get the likes of Steve Goodwin struggling to put shows on because fighters are per well, pricing themselves up. So, so my question is, would you? Because it seems that fights tend to happen in the US and some sanctioning, well, the major sanctioning commissions reveal these numbers. Yeah, but uh, th those numbers are not accurate. But they're, they're an indicator. And like Eddie Hearn even mentioned recently, it's like, sometimes it's the purser comes from this person and then you get another pay out from an, you know, a TV deal yeah, overseas. All, exactly. No, but, but, so example. And that's even before you get onto the sponsorship. But we'll take, we'll take an example because the Afi one was interesting because you suddenly looked at that Afi one and went, okay, let's just assume, okay, even if it's just 40,000 only, that at least we know that's the floor figure. It could be higher. It's unlikely to be lower because then you're basically lying to a, a, a commission and that's problematic. Mm -hmm. Then you, then you do all the thing of, and I remember Martin praising Hearn for doing the traveling. And I was like, well, hold on. The guys just spent six and a half, seven grand flying business class as a minimum to go out to see this fight. That's seven grand. Yeah. Then he stayed in a hotel. All of this. But the thing is, it's got to come out of somewhere. Right? So then you're like, well, what's the big number Hearn's playing with and paying his fighter out of here? Mm -hmm. And you almost want to see that split. Because if someone were to say to me, actually, you know, the TV company gave us 55K. 15 of that is what they call expenses. I'm like, okay, fine, business practice. And then 40 we gave to your fight. Whereas if they say, well, we gave 120K to match room for this fight. And then all of a sudden it's like 40K here. You're like, ooh. And he got in the business class, probably had someone with him. You see, yeah. had, had some company when he got to. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the, so, so the reason I say that is in the 80s, they investigated Don King because well, initially it was, Due to Didn't he charge Tyson two grand per towel? It was four no it was <laughs> no it was it was four hundred quid so a week for towels. Fuck yeah. Four hundred dollars a week for towels, even if you didn't use a towel that way. Daniel Mills. They're exceptionally high. <laughs> Not having that. But but that's so so my point is that when they <laughs> well, around in the eighties. When they investigated Don King, know, what they started to find now. was Don was being given, let's say two hundred K for a fight. Mm -hmm. And then he'd say to guys, look. The event's struggling to sell. I can only pay you ten thousand mm. dollars. And like these guys obviously don't know what Don's getting, so they're like, "Ah, oh, cool, I'll take it." And Don's like, "I'll look after you." Yeah, but time. that's the team not asking for full exposure. So there was another fighter, Don King, again, recently. I mean, I can't say the fighter's name, um, and the fighter didn't tell me. I'll just find out anyway. But we, um, we haven't got that nah, many, nah. so it's one. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but basi nah, so basically, um, the fighter was meant to box somebody, um, and Don King was negotiating on his behalf. Then the fight was going to go to purse bids. And I think the fight was meant to get like 40% or 35% of the final um, figure of the purse bid, right? So at the time they were negotiating, um, the fight was going to get something like, I don't know, 30, 40 grand, something along those lines. So Don King knew that it was going to go to purse bids and the purse bids were likely to be won at like 500 grand up. 
So 40% of that, do the maths, you're talking north of 200 grand. So Don King was like, look, if you sign this fight now at 40K, I can make it happen for you. Yada, yada, yada. Convince the fighter to sign in right there and then. And so this fight is signed at 40 grand. The fight's gone to purse bids. 500 grand's coming. 200 plus grand's coming that the fighter should be getting. But Don King gets to pocket 160 grand of it. Because, so a lot of times it's just overseeing these kind of things where a good team would say, no, we're not going to let it go to purse bids yet because um, we're not going to sign yet until it's decided. Either the contract's done or after the purse bids, then we'll know what's going on. But it all comes down to management. But but also you've got to then look beyond that, right? Because I can win the moment today and I can go, all right, we're not signing. But if I have a promotional deal with him that covers seven fights and he's like, you know what? This guy's not playing ball. Next fight, he'll learn to play ball, which is what Don King was the master of. If you mm. played ball, you got to fight Larry Holmes. If you didn't play ball, you didn't. And that's why, like, there were guys like, like Tim Witherspoon's story with Don King is fascinating. Like, the way he got shafted. And now he mm. wasn't a bad heavyweight, but Don wasn't paying him what he thought he should be getting. Mm. What, what he said, look, you told me it was 200 grand. Why have I only got 20 grand? And then, yeah. you, then you get all the fucking costs. So he's like, what? Who agreed to this? Andy, right. how long are we at? I'm fucked. I can see um, we are two hours and 54 minutes just coming up to you. Um, you just caught me just before I was about to interrupt. Yeah, right. Are we, we, we're oh, done. We're done. Is anyone going to listen this far in? Well, for you, they will. I don't know. <laughs> Does that mean I've got free reign now? Well, <laughs> can, I, can I say the stuff that would have got me say to you is, What I say to you is the amount of times that people have said to us over the years of us doing this, can you do an additional podcast? Can you do special wow. podcasts? So there's always there's always a hunger for more when it comes to listening material. True. That's all I can yeah. say. And I can always turn it off. That's true. Once yeah. I listen to all my podcasts um, that I listen to, usually I'm just like, oh God, like, back to audiobooks. Do you Which I don't you, mind. But yeah, do you I know, listen I, to a lot in camp? Yeah. Well, like training. Do yeah. other boxes? I, I I'm li- always intrigued by this. I, I don't really know, but um, I know Dan listens to a couple. Um, Lawrence listens to the... Um, toe to toe, toe to toe. Of course, man. he does. Company um, man. <laughs> yeah, <but> he mostly <laughs> listens to it as well when he's on it. But um, Mo, I don't think does. I usually listen when I'm driving. What about O'Hara? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure he listens. Yo, O'Hara just says he's a guy that if you said you listen to podcasts. I don't, why do I bother? Yeah. For what? What do they do for me? Yeah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, so like things like driving up here today, listen to podcasts. I'm on the way back. I'm gonna be listening, and when that runs, I listen to audiobooks books. Yeah, I do every day, yeah. back and forth so, to work. Just yeah. a quick one. Uh, June fifteenth is a haymaker show. Super excited. Sam Smith fights for the Commonwealth title, so I'm glad for her for so many reasons. She's come a long way in a short space of time, so congratulations to her. Linus Eudofia fights on the same card. Linus. Shout out Linus Eudofia. Linus. <laughs> <laughs> Special talent, that kid. Going far. So, and, uh, and, and look, I'm going to bang the drum and people go, oh, here he goes, sticking up for his boyfriend again. But no, it would be good if Haymaker <laughs> actually has a good 2018 because this competition is good. And what I like is they're marrying the sort of the whole celebrity element of David at the top here, but they've got Steve providing that support at the back end as well, which is good. So you get that perfect bridge between being a small hall guy, well, top of the small hall game, and then being able to get televised as well. And they're tapping into the mixed martial arts crowd as well, with Michael Van and Page. So what they're doing seems to be well They will turn boxing fans off by doing that. You reckon? Yep. I saw his debut, the guy's like, it was almost disrespectful to the sport. 
Uh, Maybe he could yeah, fight Seraphine. That, that's who he's got in front of him, right? So if he's up against a decent boxer and still does that to them, then you just have to give the guy his credit. I agree completely. So put him in front of a decent boxer. I'm sure that'll come in time. He's still a one-fight novice. So don't do it. Don't disrespect the sport against some yeah. fucking right, I see what you mean. I see Spaniard or whatever. But that's that just what in. he's like. He does that in his own sport as well. No, I agree completely. But show the sport you've just walked into an element of respect. Um, I, it wasn't for me. Yeah. But, but I'm going to miss that. So I'm gutting I'm missing it. But everyone out there has my best wishes. Um, wonder, wonder if the Haymaker will announce his retirement on that show. We shall see. This podcast is not going past three hours. Okay. This <laughs> is not happening. But just as a flashback, if everyone just goes back to Hey Bell You Won, <clears throat> that moment where Bell You's dancing to Hey's music, I watched it on loop a few times. It's hilarious. Well, it just, is good to be fair. Right. It's actually pretty good moves. Shouts out to Tony Bell. I think he's... E- you challenged what? Terry when you said he's not going past three hours. Yeah. No. Why did you say I've got questions. What well, the fuck are you shouting out to Tony on. Bell you for? Hold on. We haven't got the brain cells to download Someone a podcast. They don't know what one is. Who gives a fuck about Tony Bell? You've got questions to ask you before the three oh, hours shit, is out. Okay. Is Bell you in Amsterdam or Barcelona? I'm trying to figure it out. I think he's in Amsterdam. I don't know. I don't follow <laughs> Because my mates were on the stag do. I was meant to be on the stag do. And they got pictures with Bell. I was like, thank God I didn't go. British boxing blog got some as well. I saw. Are they in Amsterdam? No, they were up in Marbella or something like that. Uh, they uh, were somewhere sunny. Oh, so it'll be Barcelona then? Don't know. Where uh, Steph Amsterdam is? could be Penny sunny. Because uh, I was in um, Denmark just last weekend and it was really sunny. Andy, three hours. We're done. Do you think AJ is still being a rebel? Now he's taking yet another honour from the British Empire, which has somewhat a dubious history in Africa. Senor Tasty. Um, quick answer. That is the, that is, yeah. I'm not going to ask her any more questions. Ask her any more okay, questions. No, quick answer. Look, as a guy that grew up in Africa, fuck do I care, man. Like, he, he, It's a sign that he's done something in this country. I'm proud of what he's done in that sense. And if he wants to take the honour, I don't think any less of him. Congratulations to the guy. Cool sign. Right. Um, thank you very much. I think much less of him. Uh, <laughs> nah, don't really like him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you very much, Mark. You've brought some much-needed class to this, to this and an extra podcast. hour. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. uh, Umar messaged me during the week. It's like, what time did you finish? At eight o'clock. <laughs> Twenty past nine now. <laughs> Sorry, I Umar. I told my girlfriend I'll be home by ten. <laughs> oh, you better drive too. I'm gonna walk in. She's gonna have her legs crossed, just like tapping on her knee. That <laughs> 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 <My> basic instinct. <laughs> <laughs> You're too young. No, you don't no, even know, know Sharon Stone. No, I don't know. That. Like all of the 30 club here. Also, I thought his 20 year old Joshua a minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> I dabble. Right. Thank you very much for listening. And You're... thank you, Uma. For Mate, there are no edit points. That, that can go guys. out now. Well, that's not how it works, Terry, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> don't just press the button. Like. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Isn't that a big button in the right side? Yeah, it's the like numbers? ready to listen. Bing. It's already up. <laughs> it was live all this time. But, but yes, thank you, Terry. That's the... <laughs> Look how he's so upright like a mongoose. <laughs> <laughs> like he's on sentry duty. Yeah, yeah. Right. Thank you very much for listening. Oh, thank you. We won't be back next week because I'm in America and I'm not sure if you You're should in Detroit. know about that. Yes. Yeah. That's why you guys have got three hours this time. Really? You, you're Split going it. to Detroit? I am, yeah. Yeah, and hopefully I'll come back alive. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait what's wrong with that? We'll, we'll speak when it's done. Okay. Well, well I, I went go to, home. I went to Detroit last year. It was fine. My anyway. kids are waiting up for me. No, they're not. 
Nah, they're probably not. <laughs> Waiting up for a real death. Yay, we get Cut to go it. to bed with our Danny. Without plastic Danny. No. <laughs> right, okay. Plastic Danny. <laughs> Listen, I'm unplugging my mic now. <laughs> Fucking, that was a first for everything. You can't even there. do it. You can't even <laughs> unplug it properly. <laughs> All right. oh, Thank no. you very much for listening. Bye. I'm <laughs> gonna